just <laughs> stuffing his face. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a good recording of him just crunching. So. Mm. <laughs> Can be our egg end tag this week. Yeah. ASMR. Um, I listened to a whole like uh, NPR did a whole like an hour on ASMR and like I just I'm not I don't know I don't know if I trust it because it is like there's no real science behind it like nobody knows why it happens like I have a feeling a lot of it is like psychological like like a placebo effect kind of thing it's not mm-hmm. like this medical phenomenon that everybody's thinking that it is or something right it's just kind of like hey I like this sound mm. yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't know what actually gets this. What, like, what is, what is this like an ASMR sound though? Because like, I don't know. It, well, it's, the thing is, it's different for different people, and that's why it's really tough to pin down. But it, you know, generally they are things that are sort of quiet. I don't want to say like droning, but yeah, like it could be like just somebody rustling fabric or like uh, right, whispering right. or anything like that, really. So my weird fetish for like the work core running on the enterprise, that is like an yeah. ASMR thing. All right. Yeah. I sleep, yeah probably. I sleep next to the work core every night now. I don't know why. Yeah. That, the thrumming <laughs> just puts me out. Yep. So. I do. When I'm, when I'm uh, traveling for work, I do uh, Disney parks music, like the, the background loops that are like just meant to be sort of there and atmospheric kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I have for years. Yeah. I don't, we talked about that before. I think we've talked about my weird enterprise engine room thing too. Mm-hmm. I do the rain too a lot. Like I like listening to the rain. So I'll put the rain on mm-hmm. my stereo and like go to sleep. One that but, I found lately that uh, I thought was pretty cool is somebody has made like atmospheric uh, videos for different areas in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies. So it'll be like the, like an hour of the Shire. And it's like, it has like the, the you know, Hobbit, Hobbit and theme and stuff like that. But then it's got like, some birds tweeting and stuff like that over it and nice it's mm-hmm. very immersive and then there's one for like rivendell and rohan and stuff like that and they did that with the studio ghibli stuff too for mm-hmm. spirited away and my neighbor totoro and stuff like that because there's a lot of like lush ambient sound in those movies mm-hmm. really yeah good stuff shall we get going then yeah is that yeah. enough preamble all right, guys, welcome to Dance Robot Dance episode 134. This is my first time hosting, so if I'm terrible, just let you know I'm Paul and I'm joined Shoddy hosting already from the beginning, from the top. <laughs> so, to Dance Robot Dance staple, you'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get the bingo card though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm joined, I am joined by Tim. Say hi, Tim. Hi, everybody. And Mark. Hey, guys, how's it going? And, uh, we're going to be getting into some uh, post-Valentine's Day, Loneliness Awareness Day, Anna Howard Shaw Day <laughs> extravaganza. Indeed we are. Let's uh, dive. Yeah. So let's dive right into the news. Are we ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. So the big nerdy news this week, I think, was probably the Nintendo Direct that dropped on uh, the 13th. There was a lot of news about upcoming games for the Nintendo Switch. Of note, the, I think the big announcements were... Link's Awakening, the remake, Super Mario Maker 2, and Astral Chain, all coming out this year or soon-ish. So what do you guys think? Did you, were you guys excited when you watched it? I didn't actually watch the direct. I just huh? The only thing that I watched was Zelda trailer, Link's Awakening remake trailer, which uh, looks awesome. And I've liked all of the other remakes that they've done of those classic Zelda games, so... Uh, I am pumped for that. It looks like it should be a lot of fun. And I've never played the original Link's Awakening, which I got a good chastising from from the boys in chat this week. Uh, yeah, because it's so good. 
I've heard great things about it. It's hard. Like, is it? Well, I mean, I guess the emulator makes everything super available, so like, it's not like it's hard to get a hold of. But like, I, well, I think I can probably buy it for my uh, 3ds. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on Virtual Console for sure, and yeah, yeah as well as the the Capcom Zelda Game oh, Boy games, uh, yeah. Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, Ugh. which are both really good. I I really like them. But, I've heard you know. bad things. No, those are those are like Zelda fans are split on those ones, from what I can understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. like that, like they're split. Apparently, like the internet was a bl- ablaze about this like re-release. So I thought it was cool looking. Yeah, yeah. I like the the whole idea of Link's Awakening is that it is potentially all happening in a dream. Like the the theme of dreams is follows throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And the I liked the toy ish dream like feeling that you got when you looked at the yeah the, when you saw the gameplay trailer like they started off with the the original like expanded opening for the the game boy game yeah that opening cinematic is present in the game boy original in a much realized like, version more, yeah uh, i was gonna say like the cinematic is yeah. probably the wrong word to describe the slideshow of weird looking gray pixels that the game boy displayed to introduce you to link's awakening <laughs> in 1992 <laughs> yeah. i guess when that game came out like 92 1993 yeah. was it three yeah. no, i was close I yeah was close. yeah i haven't played it since then though because like i was I'm, i mean we've talked about it uh, ad nauseum, but I was never, I've never been like a handheld gamer particularly. So, yeah. like, those games always yeah. did. I did play it and I remember liking it. Yeah. But the, the handheld ones were always kind of your domain. So, yeah, that's right. And because I, this is one in particular that I had obsessed over for a really long time. And it's like, mechanically speaking, the, the game doesn't play as well as any of the, like, it's like Zelda just needed more buttons. Well, I got away with two buttons on the NES, right? Like, you could do. I always found that that game played more like the original. Like that was it was a, it was yeah. the most close spiritual successor to the original, um, just in terms of yeah. like limited gameplay mechanic versus like especially what they did going into the 16-bit era. Like Link to the Past was like yeah. I don't know, it was a much bigger game and like a much more handy control scheme and all that kind of stuff with the six buttons the Super Nintendo had yeah. versus the two mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't think it actually uses the L and R button. I think it's uh, I think it's only the face just keys a, on that yeah. one. And hopefully this one will at least have a shield button, you know, because uh, in the original one, you had to map the shield button. And the sword, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, you're, yeah, you're, always, sword, you... yeah, you're always flopping things. I don't think they'll, hopefully with the, the button density of the Switch, you, they'll not yeah. do that to us this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the things, yeah, that's the one of the things Nintendo has done a really good job on these other remakes is sort of cleaning up shitty mechanics like that, whether it's like yeah, controls mm-hmm. or... Uh, in Wind Waker, like everybody complains in Wind Waker about like how much sailing you have to do. So like really early in Wind Waker, you uh, unlock a sail that you don't have to change the direction of the wind to go where you want to go. And it's way faster. Mm-hmm. And so that really cleaned up the gameplay for it. So hopefully it'll do the yeah. same here. Which I found interesting when I played through it, because like I had played the GameCube original and all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is like. It's not as immersive because you're not being forced to like grind through a bunch of stuff, which I guess when we end up doing that Breath of the Wild episode, we'll have to talk about also because there is some stuff that like yeah. they like to do in Zelda games where it's like we're going to force you to live with this mechanic until and like throughout the entire game. And it's just never going to get not yeah. annoying. And like a lot of a lot of games have that like a lot of the Zelda games do that. Weapon that's breakage. True. Yeah, that's true. Is one is one. Yeah. Currently that we get to deal with. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So, but overall, I think that the sentiment about the Awakening remake has been pretty positive. Like, people are really excited about it. It's just that vocal minority that's just like, I hate the art style. It's just Reddit. And it's just kind of a wait and see. Yeah. But come on, man. Like, it's a wait and see it's, thing. It's Zelda, Zelda's, people bitched about the art style of Zelda's since Wind Waker. Like, yeah. every time they do a new Zelda, yeah. the only time people didn't bitch about it was Twilight Princess. And yeah. then, like, some of us bitched about it because it didn't look as good as it would have had one of the other consoles, right? Like, it's always, there's always something. Oh, so. yeah. 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 Every fandom is notoriously picky, and Zelda fandom is no exception. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's, I will definitely play it. I will probably, Alicia is probably going to mandate that I play the original version for my first time playing it and then maybe play the yeah. a remake after that. Yeah. There's three versions officially. I guess the remake is the newest one, but there's the original, original, and the Game Boy Color version that has an extra dungeon yeah. and all that. It's an optional dungeon that lets you get a certain kind of armor to power up your attack or your defense, depending on which color you choose. So, yeah. Nice. Link's Awakening is a weird-ass game. It's a weird game, but it's really Link's fun. Link's Awakening DX, apparently, is what the yeah. Yeah. updated, the color one yeah. is called. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to like buzz through all the other <laughs> uh, game announcements that they did in Nintendo Direct, because there was a lot. There was the official release date for Fire Emblem Three Houses came out. I'm not that big into Fire Emblem, but it's going to be a big deal for a lot of people. Box Boy, Dragon Quest Eleven, Final Fantasy Seven and Nine are both getting ports. Uh, the Nine one has already been released. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is coming out this summer. Marks and I are pretty damn excited about that because it's basically 2D Castlevania. Ega's back, right? Like he's doing a game again, so that's always kind of nice yeah. to see him. Do some Castlevania-ish stuff. Is it aristocratic, decadent horror, like in Castlevania Symphony I think of the Night? I think, you know, that's, that's your description of it, and I think it's pretty apt, so yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Dragon Quest Builders 2, Dead by Daylight, Deltarune, which is the sequel to Undertale, yeah. Grid Autosport, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which is the guys who made I Am Setsuna, uh, Mortal Kombat 11. We've spoken about... Wait, Mortal Kombat 11 is coming oh, to yeah, Switch? Yeah, that was the one Christy was pumped about. Hellblade is... Uh, that's a cross platform. They're dumping that on Switch now, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. Unravel 2, Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered is coming out. Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon is getting re-released. And they are saying that Bayonetta 3 is in the works. Nice. So if you're a Bayonetta fan, which I am, yeah, also. because those games are insane. Yeah, they're fun. But yeah, they're, they're, those are just stupid fun, and I really appreciate it. Did you mention Mario Maker? Because they announced Mario Maker 2 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I announced that at the top. I I didn't get a chance to play it on Wii U, obviously, because I never owned one. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to try out Mario Maker 2. They put slopes um, in, so the world has rejoiced. Because they the in the original Mario Maker, like I have the original Mario Maker, you can't do slopes, which makes all of the Mario World-style mm. gameplay kind of moot. Because everything is now like blocks as opposed to because Mario World relied on slopes for sliding yeah. and like goofing around with like your ability to like stand still and stuff like that. And that wasn't in that. It's in Mario Maker 2, which means mm-hmm. everybody's gone nuts because it means you can start remaking Super Mario World kind of thing uh, and then like expanding on it. So, yeah. I love the. I'm excited. Yeah, for it. I'm. I love the concept of Mario Maker, and I was. I was sad that I had to sit that generation out. But now that they're just re-releasing and updating and sequelizing all of the Wii U stuff, I'm mm-hmm. just. Yeah, give me more. Give me all of the Wii U <laughs> stuff I missed, please. 
Well, that's uh, Captain Toad just came out too, uh, or there was DLC for it or something like that this week. Yeah, there's a new package for Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, mm-hmm. which was a Wii U original release and has been re-released. Still haven't gotten it. I'm going to wait for a price drop on it, maybe if there's ever a sale, which... No, that one went on sale. I got it uh, cheap on Wii U when I got it because I, uh-huh. I wasn't paying full price for it. Worth full price, though, actually. Fun game. Like, I had a lot of fun with that game. Like, very puzzly, so... Yeah. And in non-Nintendo news for video games, there is going to be an official sequel for Hollow Knight called Hollow Knight Silk Song. Nice. And if you're into Metroidvania stuff, this is very good news. It was originally going to be just an expansion pack, but it was I guess it was so big that it just became a new game. That's awesome. So, yeah, very excited about that. So that's that was all my video game news that I had. What do you don't want to talk about the fact that Crackdown Three finally came out after like five hundred years? See, that's out of my wheelhouse. So yeah, tell me about Crackdown. Uh, wait till Geek of the Week because I was playing it a little bit this week, and that was what I was going to use. As opposed <laughs> okay, to- sounds good. Yeah, or that Activision dumped like eight percent of its staff after having like a stellar year in earnings. That's uh, that's oh, yeah. how Activision yeah. does things, though. Activision sucks. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about video game development unionizing and things like that this week because of the insane amount of layoffs and the garbage concept of growth and capitalism instead of sustainability. But that's uh, we're not going to get into Marxism on this stage. Capitalism is this (laughs) (laughs) the final one, probably. (laughs) This is terminal, I think. uh, (laughs) Capitalism, I think, is what we're experiencing right now. So. (laughs) <laughs> Sharpen your guillotines, guys. Anywho. Oh, I'm ready, baby. I'm fucking ready. First against the wall, guys. First against the wall. Yeah. So there's a lot of movie news this week. So let's get the inevitable Dune news out of the <laughs> every, way. Every um, week. <laughs> should be a new segment. Every week. Dance we, should, Dance. we should literally <laughs> just actually... We should just stop doing Dance Robot Dance and just become a Dune <laughs> podcast, probably. Like, yeah. That seems to be all we talk about. I don't even like Dune that much. Like I like it, but I'm not like crazy about it, but... Man, yeah, like four months of straight yeah. Dune talk here. Jesus, yeah. So they added Jason Momoa to the cast of Dune, what, which, yay. How are um, they paying for all these fucking people? Well, a lot of these are I don't smaller know. roles, right? So they're not going to be, you know, they're going to be on set for like a week or something like that. I still got to pay these fucking yeah. people. That's a lot of big names just to get them to it show is. up. Still costs money. So it is. Yeah. And they have officially released the release date of it, which will be November 20th 2020 yeah. so thanksgiving thanksgiving release i think it's going to be another year and a bit of dune news so yeah. this very well may become like dune robot dune yeah. so, <laughs> well, yeah. oh, uh, we didn't get to be i already hate the name of this podcast <laughs> there was other casting news too fucking josh brolin is in this movie now too yeah good god yeah. no one i could have done without like yeah, I've made no secret that I don't have a lot of use for Josh Berlin, and I find him to be pretty fucking overblown. I mean, he's fine. I think it's great that all of these actors are getting a chance, and, and they're becoming famous because of geeky comic book movies, but it's becoming such an incestuous kind of small yeah. crew of people that are we're all working together that like I want... Like, fresh blood? It's almost like I'm already wanting fresh yeah. blood. And I, that's why I'm so excited for I'm excited for Endgame, but I'm excited for Endgame to be over and Phase Four to start, so we can just get new yeah stuff new and- into the mix. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're only a couple of weeks away from Captain Marvel, so like oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. Speaking of which, Captain Marvel news. There's been it's on track to be making a hundred million plus, which is not really a surprise to me. No. But the the MRA red pill contingent of Reddit is 
super up in arms about it. Yeah. So whatever. I haven't seen anybody on Reddit complaining about that movie. Like everybody on the the, the Marvel subreddits are all like, let's just get the fucking movie out yeah. now, please. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. I need my follow up to yeah. Endgame. Like we need a fix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're all kind of jonesing, yeah. I think, right now because it's been since Ant Man we got anything new, really. So mm. yeah, it felt like that was 15 minutes after Infinity War came yeah. out, right? Yeah. Like it, it jumped yeah. real quick, and then we've just been like, <laughs> hey guys. Black Panther's on Blu-ray. It's like, well, I don't, I've seen that five times. Like, I don't need to see that again. Like, I want something new. Yeah. Like, let's, yeah. They've spoiled us for the last two years. We're like, we're getting like three, uh, four movies. And I'm like, this is a big gap. Can we please get to this now? Like, I could use something. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, guys, we're getting two movies in with a, like a month of each other. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. big. Like, Captain Marvel being like, going to be the new face of the MCU, basically, along with, you know. Chala is probably going to be up there as in terms of leading the Avengers and being part of the the main Avengers mm. cast, and then this end game man. Did coming. you guys see the fucking website that they made for Captain Marvel? Oh, yes. yeah. It looks like a fucking like Geo Angel Cities. Fire like Geo Cities page because it's set in the nineties. <laughs> so they were like, let's make the nineties-est site ever for Captain Marvel. Yeah, it's so good. They wouldn't let me sign the guest book. It was full. I was so upset. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in there. But we were looking at it, actually, uh, when it launched that website, like uh, me and a bunch of my designer friends were looking at it. We're like, they actually like coded this to look right. Like they did it right. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty impressive yeah. once we got into the code and looked at it. And we were like, that's fucking cool. Like that they took the time to do that. Yeah. I, I like the a lot of the press around this movie. A lot of it being Brie Larson just showing like there was a video of her pushing a Jeep by herself. Yeah. And stuff like that where she, to show off her training because she's been hitting like her personal record milestones. And as someone who's like been hitting the gym hard, I'm like, yay, Brie Larson. I, I feel you so hard on that. So good stuff. So in more MCU news, they've hired a new writer for the Black Widow movie to kind of do a rewrite on the script. Ned Benson, who is known for the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, is going to be doing, I guess, his take on it next. And this movie already has a director and I guess they're just getting things moving. They didn't like the maybe they didn't like the original script, but hopefully it's going to yeah, be good. I mean, I've. <laughs> I've learned just not to take shit too seriously when you see the stuff, you know, saying like, oh, there was reshoots on this or they rewrote the script. Like it's stuff that happens to most, if not all movies. And it's just, you know, we only talk about it for ones that we're watching really closely sort of thing. So it doesn't concern me. Yeah. Episode nine has finished shooting Star Wars. Episode nine is done. Principal photography. There was a very cute cast photo of, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, John Boyega and and Oscar Isaac hugging. Yeah. It warmed my little heart, my cold little heart. Yeah, Oscar Isaac looks like he's feeling all the feels in that movie or in that uh, picture. Yeah, and I I'm really excited for this movie to be coming out. So yeah, there's there yeah. is that that we are moving along nicely on Star Wars as well. In other news, Frozen Two trailer <laughs> has come out, and I've been I've oh, told shit. the I guys I didn't watch to watch it. it. We were mandated. Um, you must start watching it now. Watch it now. Do it. It looks so cool. Sorry, I'm looking. I gotta uh, look it up. Yeah, look it I up. I mean, we're gonna yeah. get live reacts. <laughs> the one thing I'll say for it is that I like the the style that they did, like where there's no dialogue or anything like that. They're not really giving away story points. They're basically just showing like action <laughs> and sort of atmospheric kind of stuff. But I could care less about the Frozen sequel. Like I've I watched the first one just because. 
I wanted to see what the hype was about. It was fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm so over Frozen in particular because it's saturated. Like, my main Disney nerdery is the theme parks, and yeah. they fucking saturated the theme parks with Frozen shit. Like, you couldn't right. walk anywhere without hearing Let It Go, and so I'm just... I'm okay. done with Frozen. I have been a kindergarten teacher for five years, <laughs> and in the peak of Frozen fever, when every uh, in South Korea teaching English, all the girls in my class wanted to sing "Let It Go" every goddamn day. Some of them, <laughs> like even on normal days, would dress up as Elsa just to show up in their Elsa gowns. And <laughs> you know what? I, regardless of that, I'm still kind of excited for this. Because I like the tone of the trailer. I think it looks very like action adventure as opposed to the original movie. movie. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't hate the what Frozen did with princesses in general. Like they, they were very much like doing that thing where they point out Disney tropes and saying that mm-hmm. this Disney trope is kind of stupid, like the falling in love and getting married the next day kind of thing. Yeah. And then it ends up being more about the sisterly love than it is about the romantic love. I like that. That's a good message. And I also despise what they did with Frozen and Kingdom Hearts 3 and forcing us to listen to the entirety of Let It Go (laughs) as part of the gameplay. Like it was just so, uh, it was, it was a lot, but, and yet I'm still sold on this trailer. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Mark watched it. I did. It looks like I've never seen Frozen. I'm going to like, Pitch late to that right now. I don't care. Yeah. This looks like a Marvel movie. Like they're just selling the same because movie. it is. Is that what it is? <laughs> All right. Elsa is essentially Iceman or Killer Frost. This looks like fucking Killer. I was going to say Killer Frost. Yeah. Cause I was just watching the Flash. But like, yeah. Uh, it looks like she's just doing like Killer Frost power training. And I'm like, this is fucking cool. Like, yeah, go do that. That's cool. I don't know. I've never seen the original, so I have no idea. I know uh, Kristen Bell does the voice, right? So. Yeah, there is an in and that's why I, I figured you would care. Well, I mean, like I care because Kristen Bell's there because I love Kristen Bell. But like, I just I don't I the only uh, Disney anime like out of hell. I mean, I can't say I haven't seen a Disney movie in forever because like that's the fucking line now. Right. But like an yeah. actual animated Disney movie <laughs> like I saw Incredibles 2. So it kind of blows my like streak of not seeing any of these movies like out of the water because mm-hmm. I had to see Incredibles 2. But like all the other ones, I'm like, I don't like I've never seen Frozen. I never saw Tangle. I never saw what was the the redhead one? Was that Tangled? I don't remember anymore. That was Brave. Uh, no, brave. that was Brave. I finally watched Tangled this past week. It was pretty I like good. Tangled because I'm I'm still doing that like uh, Disney movie an- animated movie watch, and I'm into this decade now. Yeah. So the, the non Pixar CG movies that Disney has been doing in the last couple of years, I haven't seen like any of them. So I, I highly mm-hmm. recommend the... Big Hero Six. If you oh, haven't sorry. seen that one, I have seen that one. Yeah, Stanley was in it. So. Yeah, Stanley that one was, was fun. Yeah. And that that's my current current Kingdom Hearts level is I'm in San Francisco right now, which is really, really fun. Cool. Fighting alongside Baymax. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. The other big thing with that, there's a lot of speculation on that trailer that they might be giving uh, Elsa a girlfriend in this movie. I, and that's who the character that's, you know, doing like the wind powers or whatever might be. And so there's a lot of people that are pissed off about that mm-hmm. because the internet and conservatives. And then there's also people that are like, fucking yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, like, I don't think, uh, again, I like the idea of the frozen movie still just being about Elsa and Anna's relationship together. And hopefully they, yeah. s- they still continue to build on that and don't have that be secondary because that's what my favorite thing about the first frozen movie is the way that they interacted mm-hmm. together. And that's coming out this Thanksgiving, I think, or this Christmas, like the holiday season. So 
Here's hoping that yeah. it's it will reignite, I'm sure, the frozen fever in South Korea. <laughs> I can't wait for Christmas time for us to like and every single class for the whatever Christmas play or whatever we do is going to end up doing one of those frozen songs. I'm sure of it. So there you go. Yeah. All right. And more Disney news. Uh, the uh, live action Aladdin trailer came out and the wow. Internet collectively gasped in disgust over the blue genie will smith thing and i can't even put my finger on what's wrong about it it's just wrong it just looks it's just uncomfortable it's not even uncanny valley it's worse than that there's just something so unnatural and weird about it that i can't yeah yeah and i mean i'm hopeful that you know like they could go back and fix this and you know they're they're still months and months out for oh no i guess now i guess they're only like two months out so i mean they're they there's not a whole lot that they can do at this point. No, three months out. Yeah, CG can get changed, but like, yeah. I haven't actually seen this in motion. I've seen pictures of it. It's the motion that makes it bad. Like the right. pictures aren't as bad. It's just unnatural. Like the way that they've mapped the face onto the character just does not look good. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm watching. I got the trailer playing right now. I'll let you know because uh, this is basically the news segment where Mark just watches trailers and yeah. <laughs> Mark live reacts to live rea- Disney trailers. Yeah, Disney trailers, and it's basically me just sitting here in <laughs> silence, being like, hey, I don't really care that much. So that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, weirdly, like Guy Ritchie di- wrote and directed this Aladdin remake. Uh, that see, that throws me off. That that's when the throws yeah, me. and it yeah. just, there's something about this movie, like even the non genie stuff. It looks cheap. Like, was there no budget this time around? Like, I there's something <laughs> about it where I'm looking at it, it compared to even the Cinderella remake or the Jungle Book, all that stuff. It, there's just something that doesn't look particularly like it doesn't look fully cooked yet. You know, even the live action stuff yeah. doesn't. It looks like um, a bad. It looks, it looks like Attack of the Clones. Like they're just shooting on green screen. From what I'm looking yeah. at, like, yeah. Here, all the compositing's really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's just this like YouTube clip, but like everything looks like, like it's not done. Like, it's clearly not done because these effects are shit. Yeah, yeah. Or at least based on like what I'm looking at. So there's like you know those if you're waiting in line for a ride, sometimes they have like promotional videos for it, like in Disney parks or even here in Korea they have like English language acting and it's really low, super low budget stuff for yeah. waiting in line and rides. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like we're going on like a Middle Eastern themed theme park ride. And yeah. it's just the like they got this video done in an afternoon. We need to get this done so we can like make money on the ride kind of shit. It lo- it does not look great at all. I agree. That's all there is of Will Smith. It's like three seconds in the entire world is like freaking the fuck out. Uh, it, yeah, it was just that v- initial visceral reaction to it. Yeah, it's just it's such a beloved character in Disney fandom and the whole like Robin Williams is still pretty fresh and. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, Mark and I've had this discussion many times. Like neither of us are into these like live action remakes for the most part. I've only seen one or two of them and eh, they're just not really my thing. Yeah. And this, this looks like a PS4 game. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it looks worse than like some PS4. I wish games. it looked that good. Like I've just played through Resident <laughs> yeah, Evil 2. Right? Like I know what they can do with like that hardware now. So this is a little dodgy. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks 
yeah, like it was quickly yeah. hastily put together. Yeah, he's rotoscoped really poorly. That's it's pretty funny. Anyway, fair enough. All right, I'm gonna try to get through the rest of the news. There's not that much left, but I want to get through it pretty quickly. Okay, so the director of the Amazing Spider-Man One and Two and Five Hundred Days of Summer, Mark Webb, is doing a really poorly thought out remake of a beloved anime classic called Your Name where this is a, a kind of sci-fi body swap movie where a teenage boy and teenage girl swap bodies. And then you realize that it's a much deeper than that. And it turns into this kind of like mystery surrounding a, like a cataclysm that destroyed an entire town. For some reason, Mark Webb has been chosen to direct this Hollywood remake, which first of all, why? And they're changing the casting from Japanese teenagers to a white dude and a native american woman and it's just nobody wants this yeah put it away shelve it don't touch it leave it alone that's all it is like mark webb like i i didn't hate 500 days of summer like i've watched it more than once and i think that it's like in in theme of the romantic comedy thing we'll be talking about later it could have been one that i would have chosen yeah i would have i I wouldn't (sighs) mind watching 500 days of summer again would have liked that better than what you fucking made us watch, Paul. Yeah, I'm well, curious to hear what the reason is. Reason we gotta I get to that. that like, let's get through the news here. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood remake sickness needs to end. Like, if this, just don't do this. Please don't do this. <laughs> Did you guys see the news on the... Go- I, sorry to switch track. Did you guys see, like, the yeah. Ghostbusters fucking remake is gonna be kids? Like, it's Stranger Things with Ghostbusters. Well, I'm like, uh, yeah, the, that's, that's what the casting description looks yeah. like so far, so... Yeah. We said it's, there's still room for it to be like a generational thing, right? To have like yeah. the you know uh, that these be like the kids or grandkids, even of like the originals or some shit. Like it's not a story. I feel like Ghostbusters needs to do. Ghostbusters is a going like a bunch of grown men going into business. Like yeah, that's what I want. And like I know it's a kids franchise now, but it's just like I don't fucking care about kids. Like just put some grown ups in there. They could have done extreme Ghostbusters. Like that was fun. Like do you guys remember extreme Ghostbusters? They should have been college yeah. students. It makes no sense that they're going to put Ghostbusters in there and be like, "Hey, all these guys were parapsychologists and like engineers." Yeah, and shit. they need to be able to actually understand what's going yeah. on with this technology. Let's give thirteen-year-olds a proton <laughs> yeah. pack and see if they can fix it. No, guys, it, it should have. They should have been anyway. unpaid interns. Yeah. like yeah. In real life, working for these tenured professors. Yeah, that would have felt more right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do some quick TV news. Good Omens has added Benedict Cumberbatch as Satan. So that cast is looking yeah. just insane right now. <laughs> Christy literally splooshed all over our yeah. group chat. She is just that dripping so she's, for that show. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. frothing uh, at the loins. <laughs> Thank you for that mental image. <laughs> hey, man, I couldn't find the gif, like the uh, the Mallory saying that gif in Archer. So I was like, well, I got to use that joke at least once this week. So there it is. Yeah, and they've announced a showrunner for the Loki uh, Disney Plus show. Michael Waldron, who's worked on both Community and Rick and Morty, will be running Loki. What the fuck, really? Yeah. So yeah, it was. I thought that was an interesting pick, considering like that's pretty much like I don't know what this take on Loki is going to be now, but Uh, okay. Who just directed like Avengers: Infinity War? Like those brothers came from Community. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the Russo's came from community. So it's probably just one of their boys, actually, now that I think about it. Somebody probably just got a promotion, was working on the movies with them and was like, oh, we'll give them we'll give him something bigger to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. well, here's here's hoping it's going to be good. So that's it. All I have for news. Would you guys like to throw anything in there? I got nothing. I can't let this go past without the two bits of Tolkien news that came out this week. There was the trailer for the uh, Tolkien biopic that's coming out in a couple of months. 
which yeah, the one ring.net got like an early like release for. And it actually I'm like I was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna go see this because, you know, Alicia's super into Tolkien and I really like it as well. But like now I'm actually like pumped for it because it looks like it's gonna have a lot of stuff where it sort of ties in scenes from the books into his real life and stuff like that. Like there are like ring wraiths like on a World War One battlefield and shit like that. And so it could be really interesting to see some of that stuff get realized in a non-Peter Jackson like cinematic world. So Yeah. I find that really interesting considering how Tolkien really hated the concept of allegory and that he really didn't want people to interpret Lord of the Rings as a one-to-one allegory for war in like particular live wars in general. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked the trailer, so I'm going to go see it. And I love Nicholas Holt. So yeah. like, yeah, but I mean, Tolkien was he, he had a lot of contradictions in terms of that sort of stuff. Like, you know, there's stuff like that that he would say, but it's, clearly like you know it clearly does have allegory in it and you know in the stories and stuff like that so he was famously pretty uh yeah yeah. and considering he was good friends with c.s lewis of narnia fame who is all about allegory i I find that his dislike of it very interesting in general but yeah tolkien found the narnia books to be pretty trite and not particularly good yeah (laughs) he was he was like one of lewis's biggest critics yeah Yeah. (laughs) and they would both give each other shit yeah and then the other bit of uh tolkien news they released a basically sort of teaser map for the amazon prime lord of the Rings series that is basically you know just one of the maps of middle earth that uh but it has a couple it doesn't have any names or anything on it, but it does have, a, I think, one area in particular in like the Far East past Mordor that doesn't appear on any of Tolkien's actual maps. So people are going wild with speculation about that and, you know, whether that is going to be, you know, an area that features really heavily in the series or what. Yeah. So, And uh, as a child, I remember the one of the first things that got me to read The Hobbit, along with my parents' insistence that I do so, was the maps. Like, it was oh, yeah. such a good choice, yeah. great choice to just release a map, because that's what, like, fake fictional maps are so much fun to look at. Yeah. And particularly yeah. Tolkien's maps were so beautifully rendered, I I, I just love that marketing choice. It was just really good. The maps are kind of how dad got me to transition from Conan to Rings. So it's because he's like, well, like, they, here, that's the, the map of Hyperborea that you got for Conan. Like, there's a map right in here and like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't care for The Hobbit anywhere near as much as I care for those old Robert Howard stories. But, you know, I got through it. Yeah, I did get through it. They each their own. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm still reading The Silmarillion really slowly and I'm just constantly looking back and forth between those maps of like Balerion, like the land in the West that eventually falls off into the sea kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those maps are beautiful. And it was so cool when Alicia and I went to that Tolkien exhibit last summer, getting to see a bunch of Tolkien's like hand drawn yeah. maps that he had clearly like added stuff to over the years. There were like little bits of paper, like taped onto the sides of it as he expanded them and like coffee stains and shit like that. There were so cool. Uh, yeah. What else did I have? Sorry. Go ahead, Paul. No, I was just wondering if you had anything else. The Umbrella Academy came out this week. Yesterday. I'm seeing mixed things on it. Yeah. 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 Mixed. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably give it a shot, although I haven't read the original. I read but. the first trade a long time ago. I was going to reread it and then like give the first episode a shot and see what I, I didn't remember caring for it too much. I do want to support it just because I like, what's his name? Uh, God damn it. I can't remember his name. No, Gerard Way, right? Gerard Way. 
Yeah, Gerard Way. Yeah. I like like whenever he gets interviewed, I'm always like, oh, I like I like listening to him talk. He has not done anything that I care about yet, but you know, one day maybe we'll see what happens. Should read his Doom Patrol series. It was short lived, but it was pretty good. I'm just in the process of looking for Doom Patrol books because I want to get into it a little bit before we do the series. I mean, like watch yeah. the series as the series has started now. So yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. Is it started? Yeah, just yesterday. I haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah, no, I mean, but uh, def- definitely will. I've heard it's better than Titans. Like that was the one thing I hadn't mentioned it to you guys yet, but like I was on Reddit looking on and like, cause it just pops into my feed and like people yeah. were reviewing the episode and like people were going nuts or wondering why Doom Patrol is so good and Titans is so shit. And I was like, I had a good time with Titans. So this must be really fucking good. So yeah. Yeah. And then the only other one, uh, there's, uh, there's another trailer that was getting a lot of media attention this week. Danny Boyle's upcoming new movie yesterday. Yeah. Just kind of up our alley from the music standpoint, which is, set in a world where there's only one guy that remembers who the Beatles were. Oh. So it's sort of like an alternate, I don't know, alternate history or some magical realism, whatever, something like that kind of thing. And it sounds pretty interesting. And I, and I really like Danny Boyle as a filmmaker. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, cool. uh, I'm, that was cool. I'm pumped for that. Oh, the Mars Rover's dead. Yeah, there was that too. Oh yeah. That was sad. That was a big, yeah. Not really up our alley, but yeah, yeah. The, it was only supposed to run for ninety days, but it yeah. ended up that the batteries or the the solar panels and stuff were working well enough that it could retain a charge for the most part and keep working. Yeah, it kept kept working, and it went like over twenty six miles, like more than a marathon of distance, which nobody expected it to. So, but it, I guess there had been a really bad sandstorm, uh, and after the sandstorm, it had, didn't have enough charge left to wake up again. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, and then some asshole at NASA programmed like the saddest fucking like final message into it 15 years ago, and now is just sitting there like loving all this drama and shit and sadness that he has created in all these people that have <laughs> pack bonded with this fucking robot. <laughs> I don't remember like for a long time like we would get news about like what Mars like the rover had found like almost weekly they would have something kind of neat that they would be but like not like oh my god they found aliens but it'd be like oh they found like this kind of rock or they found water or this that and the other thing I was like oh this is cool yeah and especially as you get into the engineering side and you're like the thing was yeah designed to last for like three months and ended up lasting for like 10 years 15 years or whatever so yeah yeah that's kind of a, like, a, like a little engineering miracle that's always yeah. interesting to hear about and would have kept working if, you know, there hadn't been like an abnormally long sandstorm or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I was actually, I got the chance back when I was doing like NASA funded research during my PhD, I got a chance during a conference visit Jet Propulsion Labs in yeah. uh, California. And it was right after Curiosity had landed. And so okay. like everybody was still super pumped on that. And we got like a couple presentations about like the landing and some of the technical aspects of it. And you get to like see their like control room and they had a full scale model of curiosity and shit. It was really neat. Nice. Yeah. Now there's, now there's a corpse of a robot sitting on Mars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Rover. All right. So now that we have finished news, let's move on to our geek of the week. Geek, 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 geek of the week. All right. Let's start with Mark. Mark, what did you do for your Geek of the Week? Well, I took some time away from like uh, an epic Zelda replay to uh, try Crackdown 3 this week. The Terry Crews three-year, four-year fucking in-production Microsoft Studios game uh, that came out finally this week. And it's cool as shit. I was not expecting... Uh, Crackdown 2 is kind of a mess. A fun mess, but a mess. This game feels pretty polished and like it looks... You should just go watch a trailer. It's... The the visual style is crazy. Like it's all super bright neon and like a very kind of a flat ish look, like very high tech, mm-hmm. glossy flat look. 
but everything looks amazing and it runs like gangbusters. So I've been fiddling with that when I'm not dive bombing my way through Breath of the Wild again. So it's been a lot of gaming this week, uh, flipping between systems and stuff. I've never even heard of this game. Like, granted, I'm not a big gamer, but is it just is it is it like an FPS pretty much? It's a uh, third person. Okay. Uh, like action game. It was it's like it's basically a superhero game. Uh, it was an ex- like a Microsoft Xbox exclusive. Mm. I think yeah, well, it still is. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. So that's how I, I didn't even have to pay for it because I already bought my Game Pass for the year. And they're just giving away games on Game Pass now. So mm-hmm. it's about even new games. So like I got Crackdown 3 this week to fiddle with. Nice. But yeah, no, it's just like it's a big it's like a big sandbox open world action game with like your play like a Terry Crews looking super cop in the future. And you get to, you know, get more and more equipment to helps you like fly across the city and like your superpower and like basically invincible. It's kind of like it's almost like playing Spider-Man again, kind of but <laughs> just with guns as opposed to web shooters. So nice. Yeah, I'm having a good time with it. Once I get through the Zelda, I'll probably concentrate on getting through that. That'll be like my next little project. So cool. Yeah. Tim, how about you? What was your geek of the week? Uh, let's see. I got to indulge my foodie geek this week. So Alicia and I went for our like Valentine's fancy dinner. And we went to pretty much like, yeah, what is probably like the hottest ticket in town right now in Atlanta, which is a restaurant called Staple House uh, that does like you know, straight up like tasting menus. And uh, holy fuck, was it good. Best yeah. meal I've had in a long, long time. And yeah, there was like one or two courses that fell a little flat for me. But out of like 13 or 14 courses total kind of thing, it was really, really solid. So I was a very happy and full food nerd <laughs> on Thursday night. You know, what I completely forgot. We need to congratulate Tim uh, because Tim is a uh, oh yeah. Tim is an American now. So, Tim is uh, for better for worse. I uh, yes. Fucking sounds like for pledge. Sounds like for worse right now. But like, hey, <laughs> I've only yeah. been glancing at the news. So I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, but, man, yeah, congratulations. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it basically since the podcast started. Was you getting your citizenship? Yeah. So. We're finally there. So yeah, it was yes- yesterday morning as we were recording this Friday, Friday morning, 8 a.m. Me and 149 other people got our citizenship at the Atlanta USCIS field office. Impressive that they're not just like using that as like an ice fucking pickup spot now and just yeah. like kicking you all out. But well, you know, that, like there was another more- six months. Yeah, there was a really wide, like really diverse group of people, but there was quite a few like Guatemalan, like a lot of Mexican, quite a few like Guatemalan, Honduras, that sort of thing. And then they had to sit there and fucking like watch a video of Trump, like talking about how great it is to be an American. Like I would have, if I was one of them, I would have like fucking spit on that screen. (sighs) I literally had to sit there and, and hear him say, being an American citizen is very, very special. Oh, hey, they got he got smacked with a copyright thing by REM this week. That's awesome. Yeah, that's oh, amazing. Yeah. Nice. He weirdly tapped into the, the actual feelings of the American people by accident, used everybody hurts in his, in his <laughs> rallies, his, his fucking his, his, one of, one of his clan rallies video or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Well, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Now I can say that without fear of being kicked out of this country. Not, not that it would have stopped me before, but no. And true. you better fucking believe yeah. that, like they, they had like uh, voter registration people, like you know, there for right after your citizenship. You better fucking believe I registered to vote. Uh, I'm sure you did. As soon as I yeah. got that naturalization certificate. <laughs> yeah, let's see how that holds up in fucking Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. yeah. just double check your registration. Well, no. triple, quadruple check. Paul, your I mean, for our for our listeners that you know 
haven't seen my face. I am white. Yeah, I was gonna say Tim's so fucking white. Like he's had no problem. Shouldn't have a problem. Yeah, with voting. All Tim would have to do is be like, I kind of lean Republican, and like I'm yeah. a white man, and they were like, Here's your fucking ballot. Go fucking vote, yeah. Mister Republican <laughs> yeah. White Man. Here's six ballots. Yeah, here's basically. six ballots. Go nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for my geek of the week, I had the privilege of seeing Mitski live in concert on Friday night. I, it's there's been a dearth of concerts in Seoul that actually interested me. Or I like Korean music and I find K-pop interesting, if not you know particularly listenable all the time. And uh, <laughs> as someone who I'm a very as you, you might know if you've ever listened to Side A Side B, our sister podcast, I'm very lyrics centric. So not understanding the language can be a big barrier for me in enjoying a, a song. Not always, but often. So. There have only been a few songs in Korea here and there that have really connected with me. So I've been still really excited whenever North American or British artists, English speaking artists come to visit so I can go see a concert in the style that I am used to from my university days and before. Yeah. So when I got a two Fridays in a row, I got to see some sad girl indie, which made me really happy. <laughs> On Friday the 8th, I got to see Julian Baker. And this week I got to see Mitski and she did a 24 song set because her songs aren't very long and uh, a full 75 minutes of me singing along to Mitski and it was an amazing performance and if you guys get the chance oh I'll go see her if she comes to Toronto yeah if she comes to Toronto I'll get tickets for that for sure it's, uh, yeah Nice. Yeah, she's already done her, she did her North American and European leg already, but I wouldn't be surprised if she did, you know, a victory lap, considering how successful her latest album has been, like, yeah. critically. It got number one album of the year on Pitchfork last year, so all the success and joy to Mitski. Her show sold out in Seoul, and everyone really had a wonderful time. You could see it on their faces, so yay, Mitski. Nice. Yeah. All right, that's it for Geek of the Week. So I think it's time for us to move on to the meat of the episode. Meat from the heart. <laughs> funny funny story. Romantic yeah, a couple meat. of years ago, uh, a restaurant Alicia and I went to for Valentine's Day legitimately had a tasting menu that was all heart. We did not get it. We ordered a la carte, but it was like various preparations of hearts from different animals. I'm into it. I would have done it. I would have done it. So you didn't order a la heart? No. You ordered a la carte? (laughs) Get out. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What are you talking about? We wanted to replace Christy. We just replaced Christy. Yeah, we did. Bad puns? Like, that's all we're going to get. Yeah. This is what you get, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also him leaning away from his microphone. I'm going to have to buy him a headset, too. Yeah. I don't want to crunch. I don't want to crunch my chips while we're doing this. Well, All right. Are they on the floor? Are you recording? You fuck. It's on. The, it's on a plate. Don't worry. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I, I don't want to crush my pile of floor chips. <laughs> you know. You, you know. I would just like scoop them up and like drink them anyway. <laughs> I, I'm leaning into my bachelor life he as is, hard as possible. He is my brother, year, so though. like he comes by it honestly. We are gross sometimes. <laughs> yeah. This week, in spirit of Valentine's Day and post Valentine's Day, I have challenged uh, typical man, eh? Forgetting <laughs> yeah, or like doing it late. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. that, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I challenged Mark and Tim to talk about romantic comedies. The reason I did this is because I feel that in the wake of the geek renaissance, that romantic comedies have kind of switched places in the place of the zeitgeist and are now kind of in have become a niche genre to the point where 
it is almost it's pretty much geeky to enjoy romantic comedies at this point. And even now, we are experiencing a Netflix rom-com renaissance. It's probably not popping up too much in your recommendations. Uh, it was not. Your recommendations. No, it's really you- not. <laughs> and thank you for ruining my recommendations this week, yeah, by the forever. way. Forever. <laughs> yes. Especially with that that other uh, episode idea that I floated uh <laughs> oh yeah you guys, oh, you, yeah. guys have, yes. you guys have fucked my recommendations up really bad the last couple of weeks i'm like <laughs> yeah it's really bad it's almost as bad as what paul did to my spotify when i first uh, we first started doing the other podcast so i was just like oh god the, my recommendations are all out of whack now like it's just not <laughs> i almost need a separate mm-hmm. spotify account to do that podcast and like just do my regular listening yeah. anyway yeah. So, so yeah, um, Netflix has been releasing a glut of romantic comedies. Um, some of them have been actually critically well-received. Set It Up being one of them, as well as To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was more, it was a little too teen comedy at the same time, so I didn't want to pick that. But um, before we get started on the movies that we've selected, I wanted to ask questions. First of all, what is your first initial visceral feeling about a property, whether it be movie, TV, whatever, when it's labeled a romantic comedy? Like, if you look at something and it's a romantic comedy, how do you feel about watching it, even if it, there's an actor in it that you like? like Usually how skip. Do you... Yeah, yeah, skip. I skip every time. It's not my thing. Like, yeah. I'm just, there's so many other things that I would rather watch than a romantic comedy, usually. Why? Why do you guys, is it the formula? Is it just, are they all too predictable? Are they all just bad? Is it like, what? what is it about romantic comedies that just doesn't do it? For well, you? I don't like feelings. So, I mean, that, <laughs> there's that. Um, why do I not like romantic comedies? I don't, I, I mean, mean, part of it is me. For me, like, I just, I feel like they're usually just really trite. And yeah, a lot of them are just, trashy like you know it's like it's like a trashy romance novel kind of thing it's just like garbage that i don't really yeah Tim has know, other, it's just it's I, like we have other garbage we consume like this is other people's yeah. garbage you know what i mean right. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right like we watch the flash we can't really comment on any of this kind of stuff really so like yeah yeah like because all this the problem with all this rom-com stuff and like what has happened is that all this rom-com all the elements of this are now just on our superhero tv shows like that's where it all is yeah right, right. yeah and that's what we bitch about on these superhero TV shows. We're like, I don't want to hear, like, I don't really care about Barry's marital problems. Like, can you just fucking run fast? It's a Flash show. Anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. I want more effects. I want more of that shit that you can't afford to do very much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about that, too, because I feel that since superhero shows have been on TV, and I think of Smallville in particular, how it was very much like a teen drama first and superhero show second. CW, baby. Yeah. Yeah, WB, WBTV. Remember, we we like this. This just started with Buffy. This is that kind of thing yeah. that started like way yeah. back in genre. I mean, like you can lead, probably run it all the way back to X Files, where people were like, there was a contingent of people who were watching the X Files to watch the X Files, and there were people a contingent of people who were watching the X Files to watch Mulder and Scully not fuck. So like, yeah. I mean, you can yeah. run it back to like shit like I Dream of Genie and like Bewitched and shit yeah. like that, right? Yeah, more like fantasy genre TV that's you know thinly veiled romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and romance comics in general. Uh, Archie, Archie comics, Betty and Veronica. Yeah, the, the glut of romance comics that existed in the '60s that were uh, marketed towards women. More like the '50s. Like it was kind of pre-superhero. They were doing a lot of the the right. uh, yeah the like romance war and westerns. Like pre-superheroes was what you would get in comic books. And mm-hmm. yeah, and the the images from those comics existing still in like Lichtenstein and like the uh, how it, they're still they still kind of inform a lot of pop culture. 
it's fun to go through those old books too. And this is like a total tangent, but like, cause a lot of big artists from the sixties who ended up working, like, like there's romance comics that like Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, John Romita did like big, big names in like Marvel and DC kind of history. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to make a fucking buck and like get paid to draw. And so they would go do like romance. I mean, Hey man, I've drawn porn comics. So like, <laughs> I know where they're at and know where they're at. So there yeah. you go. Right now. Uh, next question do you guys have any romantic comedies that you would either consider a guilty pleasure or that you genuinely enjoy? Oh, yeah. I gave you one. Yeah. Like, it's my ultimate guilty yeah. pleasure movie. I love that movie. And it is it is a romantic comedy. It's just a funny one. Like, I like that one. And it's, I don't even know yeah. why. So. I think that romantic comedies can be well acted. So, like, I think, but it depends on the chemistry of the leads, I think, more than anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, in, like, my high school years, I can definitely think of, like, some romantic comedies. Like, or, you know, shit like uh, I guess you can consider like American Pie or like Can't Hardly Wait or something yeah. along those lines as like those are movies that I own. I, I don't go back yeah. to them as often as I go back to like fucking like Blade Runner, Star Wars or like MCU movies or Lord yeah. of the Rings or something like that. But I still enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. But there, it's just it's, you know, a very small percentage of romantic comedies that I would ever consider rewatching. Or watching for the first right. time for that matter. because there was like Tim gave us one that I would have considered rewatching in the past, and then I did rewatch it, and I'm like, I'm never watching that movie ever again. So. <laughs> You're right. That turned, Same. Out, that turned out interestingly <laughs> for me because I used to like that movie a lot. So yeah, I searched romantic comedies on Google and I looked through the list, and I was seeing things like I find that I enjoyed the ones that were less straight up boy meets girl than like like Clueless, which is more of an ensemble comedy. Yeah teen comedy, mean girls. Those are technically romantic comedies, but it's more about the interactions between the women than it is about between the man and the woman. And when you have like stuff that's more traditionally boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy wins girl back movies, I can only think of like pretty woman that I would still watch because I really like watching Julia Roberts and Richard Gere together um, because they had really good chemistry. But the whole the whole premise is fucked up. Don't get me wrong. That premise of that movie is still like that premise of that movie fucking weirded me out when I was a kid. And yeah. now I'm like 30 something like late 30s. And I'm like, I see the premise of that movie and I'm like, oh, yeah, God, it's so yeah. questionable. I don't know. What to do <laughs> yeah. That one. yeah. And some of the <laughs> these things like you just really have to shut your brain off. But I was thinking like a lot of the romantic comedies that I watched, like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I would consider a romantic comedy. Yeah. But that's it has a lot of trappings around it that make it more palatable for yeah. like a genre geek. Yeah, and that's that's the sort of that, that's generally the sort of romantic comedies that I tend to enjoy are ones that yeah. are sort of genre blended, you know, with something else, like whether it's like you know, sort of an indie romantic comedy or it's more like, you know, sci fi romantic comedy or something along those lines kind of thing. Like yeah. yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I mean like yeah. Boy Gets Girl eventually. I mean like also, Demon gets girl, <laughs> and Nerd Across the Street kind of gets girl via the demon. But I mean, let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah, are there any romance or comic book premises that you think could work in this genre? Because I was thinking about first of all, Spider Man loves Mary Jane, which was a comic book series that was basically a Mary Jane focused soap opera comic that had Spider Man in yeah. the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that. She Hulk would really work as a romantic comedy series a la Ali McBeal, but like really strange and weird. Look at Lois and Clark. Yeah. I mean, that show had its ups and downs, but it was a season, it was a show that ran for fucking four seasons that was centered yeah. around, you know, Clark and Lois's relationship. Yeah. yeah. 
and not enough Superman stuff. Think, God, that show was boring. Yeah. But <laughs> Terry Hatcher, whew, yeah, smoke show. Yeah. yeah, I think that there is merit to the genre overall, and I think that the more it plays with the formula as opposed to adhering to the the rom com formula, which we're going to talk about when we get to. Well, we're, we're, I think we're going to start with my movie first because it is most classically. It is very much. Yeah. yeah, it is formulaic as fuck. Oh my god! Exactly. <laughs> So I want to quickly talk about like, yes, there is a comedy, romantic comedy formula. Boy meets girl. They have a meet cute. They initially hate each other. They start to fall in love. And then someone does something stupid and they can easily resolve it by communicating with each other. And they never do until there's one final romantic gesture at the end. This has been done so many times that it's like it becomes comfort food for people to watch this formula because it's so predictable. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about the Netflix original movie, Set It Up, which is starring Lucy Liu. <laughs> Just like a lot of great names. Mark's already face palming. Yeah. Tay Diggs. And some new faces, Zoe Dooch and Glenn Powell. And so this the premise of this movie is that two interns are feeling super duper overworked. And they find out that their bosses are both like powerful executives and they try to set up their bosses so that they can have more free time to live their lives and they start spending so much time together that they fall in love and it is uh, uh, a fun little romp yeah okay we can go with, <laughs> so, we can go with fun little romp <laughs> those are, those are some words, words. <laughs> if you want to start with fun little romp yeah sure uh, all right <laughs> so what did you guys think first impressions do you want to start or do you want me to rip into it first? Because I don't like I it's my problem. The thing is, like, I didn't hate the movie. It was just so formulaic that I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Also, I yeah. hated everybody. Like, this is my problem. Yeah. And I think this is the big thing with me with romantic comedies is that everybody acts like such an asshole. The character tropes <laughs> for these romantic comedies are always like the leads are going to be the most obnoxious douchebags you're ever going to see in a movie. Yeah. You have to like them. <laughs> And on top of that, hope they get laid over the course of this film. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> the fact that Ty Diggs is going after Lucy Liu, I'm like, great, because they're compatible, because they're both terrible fucking people. But I don't want either of them to be happy. I yeah. want them both to jump out their fucking windows. So, like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I had some feelings about this movie. This is what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> I was so frustrated. But, like, I got... I don't know. It was weird because I was watching it and I'm like, I'm laughing at bits because there's just bits that are like, oh, this is cute. Yeah, I get it. Like, it's the same because it's the same movie I've seen 500 million times, right? Like, you've seen this movie a million times. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I get this beat. And they're doing it in this cute. It's written in like, I'm not saying it's poorly written. It's like they took the formula and like sat next to TV tropes and like, how can we subvert every one of these little things just a little bit? And then still make it completely yeah. formulaic, yeah. like right down the numbers, even though we are at least lampshade hanging everything that we do. So like that was kind of fun. Yeah. I think that's what kind of got me through the two goddamn hour runtime of this monstrosity of a movie. But like an hour yeah, in, was I was like, too I hate Lucy Liu and I now hate Ty Diggs. The the lead, yeah. the girl was cute. And then the guy had no personality whatsoever. I'm like, this is like, I can't do this. Like what is happening? What is no. happening? So yeah. And then I was like, why is... Why is Paul Wake? Can we watch yep, this? Mark. <laughs> and then Tim's messaging, yeah. messaging us, being like, "Why are we watching this?" I'm like, "I don't know." Ask Paul. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Mark touched on most of my main points too. Like, 
I just, I did not care about any of the characters. I hated basically all of the characters. Like, these are all, like, the worst types of self-absorbed people that I just cannot stand. Uh, I had a big issue with it romanticizing like the millennial hell like turn hell oh my god i was so fr- like that was my big thing like they're doing that and i'm like oh my god like if somebody spoke to me that way i don't give a shit man or woman you're going up the fucking window there's no there's yeah. no reason to talk to your subordinates like that i think being a manager has ruined my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like the that whole idea where like you can have a full-time job but still not get paid a living wage people like live in like in their late 20s that can only like that still have to have a roommate because they can't afford their own place and shit like that. And I'm what like, are you talking about is, isn't that something that happens to everybody? Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah, afford yeah, to yeah, live yeah. on your own. And yeah, I just yeah, I don't want to see a movie set in that fucking world because I don't like. Why would any millennial that lives that life want to go watch and be like, oh, this is so depressing. These people have the same problems that I do that I can't escape from. Yeah. That I that I have to work I have to work 80 hours a week and my two free hours I fucking spend watching this movie and I'm never gonna get those back now. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So th- the reason that I picked this movie is pretty much exactly what you guys just described. Is that there it like a lot of this was a pretty popular movie among like my friends and among the more woman oriented geek culture websites like the Mary Sue and stuff like that. And like in a positive mm-hmm. way, though, like people were like into this movie. Yes, because they found the leads to be somewhat more relatable than your typical romantic comedy what fucking world well the fact that they were like in the millennial hell was part of the yeah. two leads i was like i feel their pain like i understand the like i live in corporate america like i'm getting paid less than i'm worth like all that yeah, shit. Like, yeah. I, that's I, that is my existence right now even in my 30s so like i get like that part of it but i'm like yeah <laughs> if i had yeah. a boss that obnoxious i would quit because i've done that before so like I don't care what you're yeah. learning from somebody. And I think this isn't even about the movie anymore. It's just about like the way they treated the employees. And that's what got me so much. They were so <laughs> shitty to these two yeah. kids that I was like, well, I'd have just fucking murdered them both. Could you imagine being one of those people's partners and yeah. hearing them talk to their assistant that way? I would be like, you're fucking fired. Like you don't get to work here anymore. You're leaving. I'm filing charges and you're being like left kicked out of this company. Cause I'm going to the board. Yeah. You can't talk to people yeah. like that. It's not like, no. So like I had real world problems with it. They completely ruined the rest of like the cutesy. Oh, they're at the ball game watching the kiss cam shit. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, although to be fair, when he boos, he booed the gay couple, fucking whatever. And somebody like freaked out <laughs> on him. I was like, that's a good bit. That was a really good bit that does not deserve this. That deserves a better movie than this to be in because I laughed. At that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, that bit. Yeah. That was a good bit. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that surprises me that it did get that much like play among that more like progressive wing of media sites and stuff like that is like the two minority characters are fucking terrible people bad people like lucy lucy lou and tay biggs are yeah i mean and lucy lou is fully playing into that like stereotype of like an overbearing like asian you know like tiger mom kind of character like controlling female entrepreneur a la like devil wears prada type thing can i ask a question before we move any further past Lucy, does she play anything else? Like, that's her character, and that's all she plays now, right? Like, she just plays... You need to watch Elementary. I don't want to. 
I've watched two episodes. I don't ever want to well, watch it ever again. That is, that is very much against type for her, I would say. But yeah. Is it? Okay, fair. Because like I, every time I see her, she's like, she does this character. And I'm like, man, you've been doing this since Alec McBeal. And it wasn't that good in Alec McBeal. Like, it was cute for that show, but that show was garbage. What? So like In Kill Bill, it was like a riff on, like, it, it wasn't straight up like that. You know, she was more just like a badass assassin kind of thing. She's also and, being directed by one of the best directors on the planet. So like, she actually looked true. like she was working and engaged in what she was doing so yeah. she might be terrified for her life because she was also on a tarantino set so who knows yeah. like but then and then on the other side like okay they had a gay character but they fucking had pete davidson play him who's not gay in the least yeah. and was yeah. a pretty fucking terror like i like pete davidson i did not like him in this fucking movie yeah yeah he was pretty shit yeah i watched that like the gay stuff with like him having the grinder hookups you know like stuff? cycling through uh, yeah. or whatever not untrue to life, but it would definitely not be so in the roommate's face, I would imagine. Like, I know it's, like, supposed to be super progressive, like, New York, whatever, but it would still be, like, there's an etiquette where it's, like, even with straight hookups, you, like, you hope that if it's just a hookup, you don't have them meet your roommate kind of thing. They might they yeah. might sheepishly sneak out while your roommate is, like, getting some water or, like, at the fridge or whatever, but, like, you know... That, those things can happen, but you don't turn it into like, oh, let's all sit down and talk kind of thing. It's like, yeah. yeah. To be fair, though, I've we've had similar conversations between you and I where like, yeah, you, like you've had somebody over and I'm like, hey, you want to record? You're like, yeah, I'm just getting somebody out of the house. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> I'll go get my, I'm going to go make my tea. So like that struck true. Yeah. To me, rang true to me. I feel one. like they so. they, mm-hmm. they could have easily casted a gay actor that I know that it's just kind of um so that guy wasn't gay, is what you guys are trying to say? I didn't, like, he's the I, one who's engaged to Ariana Grande. Oh, is he really? Yeah, so not gay. Yeah, he's been on SNL for uh, a couple of years now. And yeah, he's great on SNL. I mean, he usually, and he does like some really like real bits on SNL, like where he talks about his like depression and his drug use and shit like yeah. that. And like he was yeah. funny. Like he had a couple bits. Like I, I thought he did what he was doing well. I just don't think it was written particularly well. It was the same with her best friend because it was like his best friend and her best friend. Where like she's like the horror Babylon for some reason, and everybody thinks it's hilarious. But now she's found love. I was like, man, that character's been in a million of these movies too. They always have that. Like the best friends always, yeah. Like the horror. I'm using curly quotes because you can't yeah. see my fingers, but like, and then, but she's already found love. But everybody's surprised that she's got five hundred thousand guys she slept yeah. up with in town. Blah blah blah, and they make jokes about it. And, uh, so like it was different, but it was still like yeah. the same character that you're used to seeing everywhere. And it was it was so trite, and yet and felt like poorly written but it also felt super overwritten like mm. the dialogue was just like they w- took way too many passes yeah. at it type thing and it just left like it did not feel natural at all mm. by the time they were finished with it so is it inherent uh, just an inherently badly written movie or, or did, did the the genre of the romantic comedy make this movie worse or was it a combination of things that made it just fail i think trying bad? to hit those tropes is what really damages this movie the worst especially when it comes to the characters like when you're trying to fit people into like that 80s or 90s romantic comedy paradigm where everybody's like an archetype and very arch about it it doesn't sit particularly well anymore like it doesn't feel natural or realistic at all so you're watching like these mm-hmm. two good-looking, obviously talented individuals just get railroaded by their boss and not get headhunted by somebody else. I'm like, no, nah, it's not. They're just gonna leave. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I had no self-respect in my 20s, and if somebody spoke to me that way, I'd been like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out later. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like I had more backbone in my teen years when it came to employment. Like, I was forced to do uh, when I was 
doing telemarketing, I had to, they tried to force me to do Republican party uh, political messages, like robocall type stuff. And I quit on Mm -hmm. the spot when they tried to get me to do that, trying to port offshore drilling and uh, shitting on Nancy (laughs) Pelosi, even when I, what, this was 15 years ago. So like I was more principled then. (laughs) Yeah. But I I can understand like living in New York and feeling, maybe feeling that desperation, but when you're not even getting paid enough to support yourself in that regard, like, ah, it's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I felt too that like upon rewatching the movie, I liked it a lot less because one of the things I did like was that they were lampshading a lot of the romantic comedy tropes. And I was enjoying that as I was going through the first watch of the movie, but similar to you guys that upon my rewatch, I was like, but I, the only character I like was the female mm-hmm. overall, yeah. like when it came down to it. And I, I also like the fact that at the end of the movie, like usually what happens in the romantic comedy is that there's a misunderstanding and both parties are wrong and are to blame, even though it's completely contrived and stupid. But in this case, like the contrivance we've accepted already of them setting up the bosses, but the guy's choice to not care about him, Tay Diggs cheating on Lucy Liu was like a yeah. legitimate character failing that he admitted. And then he apologized for like legit had a real apology and I was like, oh, that's a nice change to the formula where it's not like super contrived and weird. It's actually like, oh, he actually made a legitimate mistake. She called him on it. They got pissed at each other. He apologized. They moved on. Okay, that was good. Those were kind of the only things I liked about it upon my rewatch because I recommended this movie not because I thought it was like be all end all, but it's because it hit those fit the formula because i knew you guys were going to choose movies that would be outside of the quintessential rom-com formula and i wanted to (laughs) choose something that was very much in it so that we could kind of compare my problem was i was racking my brain for one that was like really a rom-com that i could tolerate watching again you know i was like well so i married an axe murderer it is (laughs) yeah 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 so final thoughts on set it up just not good i just i'm never watching this movie again (laughs) i like it's so rare that you get a fucking romantic comedy where you get like no fucking chemistry at all between the leads. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, and I just didn't care. I had no investment, no engagement in this movie whatsoever. It did not draw me in, in the least again, love Pete Davidson, hated him in this love Titus Burgess had no use for his fucking character in this. Like it was, just, yeah, that was a weird cameo. Like him just oh, showing yeah. up. I was like, well, how did he get here? Like what is going As on? Creepy Tim. I felt so out of place too. Like it was so out of place. Yeah. Like it felt like a 30 rock character showing up in like something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just felt weird right off the bat. I'll say the first thing that like just made me think like, I'm not going to like this movie is like the requisite, like cutesy rom-com score that they had. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is going to be garbage. This is yeah. trash. Yeah. This score was a little <laughs> weird. Um, I have a question about that. Like, so, like, you were talking about the guy having made the mistake. Did they ever make the woman make the mistake in these movies? Like, I'm, yeah. I, can't, I'm, I, yeah. I can't remember having seen one where, like, that was the thing. Where, like, she made she was the one who was, like, way out of line kind of thing. Uh, the, I think my my the best example of this right off the top of my head is My Best Friend's Wedding. Where Julia Roberts oh, okay. is clearly pursuing a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, Cameron Diaz is being... Because it's from her perspective, you realize that Cameron Diaz is actually a pretty good person. That... yeah. He the guy's clearly chosen her instead of Julia Roberts. Yeah, I the only reason I saw that movie is because like I I took a girl to see it and then like I we didn't watch it so like yeah we made out instead so it's a better movie. 
I probably would give that movie better <laughs> points because like the first time I saw it was like a makeout session. But anyway, yeah. um, so like the other thing is like, and I think it was just like male bias bias and I'm trying not to show it or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, the only character I liked in this movie was the lead, the like the female lead. And I'm like, it's just because mm-hmm. I thought she was cute. I think it was just oh, because she was, she was cute. I think that she was like genuinely more likable than everyone else. And that was a low bar to clear. Yeah. I mean, I like I, she was idealistic. She was like, uh, she was trying hard. Except for the fact that like, she's supposed to be a writer never writes like that's one of those things where i'm like she's like i'm just gonna write this article like you you should be writing like i write constantly like i don't not even like an actual writer i'm a podcaster and an artist and i'm always writing yeah but like the fact that she considered herself a writer and wasn't writing i was like well this is stupid like this is stupid (laughs) because like it's like drawing you have to practice to get good at it so you write shit the next one's not at shit yeah until you do not shit anymore so like yeah she's not just gonna magically be able to bang on an article about nontagenarian olympians or whatever the fuck she was like kept talking about that story <laughs> yeah either way final thoughts on this movie <sighs> thank you for ruining my fucking netflix recommendations you're <laughs> welcome uh all right so now that we're finished that let's move on which we should we do uh I think we should do. Like, let's do high fidelity, so we can just get the hate. Let's out. do high fidelity. Let's get the hate yeah. out. Let's get the venom yeah. out. Let's get the venom out. Because weirdly enough, I thought that so I married an axe murderer was going to be the one that I liked the least, and nope. it ended up being my favorite of the three. Yep. And uh, honestly, okay, so high fidelity, man. Oh boy, this was my pick. Yeah, this was yeah, this is Tim's pick, and I'm going to stand by it for the most part. The for parts of it have not aged well. I will admit. Yeah. So High Fidelity synopsis, Tim, for those who haven't seen it. So High Fidelity is about Guy Rob, who owns a record store and is basically at a point in his life where he's had a lot of failed relationships and his most recent one has broken down. And so his genius idea for how to fix this is to go through his worst breakups and recontact them and try and figure out why they dumped him. And it's he has like some self-discovery sort of thing by the end and Ugh. some sort of He's still a monster. <laughs> like he's a fucking sociopath. That was I was like reading I was watching this and I'm like, I used to love I read the book. I used to love this movie. He's a sociopath. Yeah. He should be put to death. God. Like I'm surprised he's not killing these women and hiding them in his fucking record store basement. See, I don't think it was really yeah. weird to watch it. I again. don't think I ever like looked at him as like you know, a character no. to you know that emulate. i wanted to personify or emulate or anything like that yeah no. like i always knew that he was a shitty person you weren't really supposed yeah. to sympathize with him and they the, the problem i think is that the movie romanticizes him way more than the book does because i remember i was watching the movie again and it's been years since i watched it and i'm like man this i remember it being way more mean-spirited and like you're not supposed to like any of the characters and i was like wait that's the book yeah like the book's really super mean-spirited and then they hollywoodize it and like hey we're gonna cast john cusack as this giant douchebag but you still kind of like him because he's John Cusack and like Jack Black's character is fucking obnoxious. But you're like, hey, it's Jack Black and he's pretty fucking funny. So and like, sit here and yeah, watch and it. like yeah. his first big role, too. Like this was his breakout. Was well, his first like big breakout. Yeah. yeah. And is it weird that he ended up being one of the most likable characters by the end of the movie? Like that was I, I was. No, because it's Jack Black. I, I was yeah. surprised. He's just, Jack Black. He's just a yeah. fucking par- paragon of charisma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Black's like the most likable human being on the planet, yeah. almost. Like he's like it's him and The Rock for, for me, like yeah. neck and neck. I love both of them. Well, Robert Downey Jr. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was he was obnoxious. He's obnoxious and shitty and a bully to a lot of people. But by the end of the movie, I'm like, you know what? You're rooting he, for him. I'm still rooting yeah. for him. Yeah, I yeah. was still rooting for the the two geeks that John Cusack was maligning through the entire movie. Are like, 
besides the female characters are they're the two most likable male characters in the movie pretty much yeah, yeah. dick well yeah. actually to be fair tim robbins tim like, robbins just just owns every scene he's in like he's so fucking good in that role i don't know why yeah but he's so fucking watchable in that role like it's terrible but I'm well, like, he's just he's just note perfect as like yeah that guy your ex is dating now yeah who you absolutely. know who you know is better at everything than you and like seems yeah. perfect and yeah. like to be fair i do like i get a little bit of like catharsis watching like the scene where he's they're fantasizing like jumping over the counter and beating the shit out of him yeah because <laughs> like i've been in that headspace before oh yeah, yeah. you know oh, yeah i i get that <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that i really like high fidelity like i do even though rob is a shit person like i do identify with i mean identify with certain aspects of each of those three record store guys for sure yeah oh yeah. i definitely do yeah and that's problematic is probably, yeah, that's exactly the problem so yeah, there's parts of it that definitely hit a bit too close to home to me. And so I do find it relatable in some ways. Like, I think when I first saw it, it probably did. I, I mean, I first saw this like when it came out, like 2000. Yep. And I probably haven't watched it in like 10 years. But when I first saw it, it, pro- it I feel like it did shine a light on some of my own shitty behaviors at the time and like insecurities and stuff that I had. Yeah, so yeah. I like it resonated with me for that reason. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Like it just present uh, with Mark, it sort of presented the characters as like this is just the way these people are you know we're not necessarily yeah. like romanticizing the way they are or decrying it even really either way i don't know i think that the way that the movie frames rob is the one that we are supposed to relate to but at least they call him on his shit or at least thank goodness for joan cusack's character oh. in this movie yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and laura too in uh, certain scenes mm-hmm. I was just rooting for her and Tim Robbins. I'm like, just go, just go be with Tim Robbins. Like, this guy is an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. This guy is an asshole. Yeah. He deserves to be with the, the Char- not Charlize Theron, Catherine Zeta-Jones character because they're Catherine both Zeta-Jones. horrifically terrible yeah. people. They belong Vapid together. People. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, both, they're both so shallow. They deserve each other. And like the Laura lady, like you don't. The problem with the Laura character, you don't know anything about her. You know, her dad died. Yeah. And you know, she's a lawyer, and that she's kind of cool and very pretty. That's all you know. Yeah. yeah. And she's super, she seems down to earth and rooting for Rob overall. And like, and why? You're, and, and why? <laughs> because like, when she goes through, man, when Joan Cusack walks into the record store, calls him a fucking asshole, walks fucking out and asshole. he's, yeah. and, and he's like, uh, here's might be why. And it's like, you cheated on her while she was pregnant and she had an abortion. And then you were shitty and... about it. I was like, I don't even like this character anymore. Yeah. Like that ruined the movie yeah. for me. That yeah. moment ruined the movie for me. I was like, fuck, I forgot. This guy's a complete monster and I don't want to watch But it. I, I really, <laughs> I really like that scene because it does give you both sides of the story. Like first you hear like, this is how Laura perceived it. And then yeah. you hear how Rob perceived it and you don't know which of them is entirely true. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, kind of that Rashomon feel to it, and that's the fucking way relationships that's are. True, yeah, yeah. Like, but uh, yeah. my my problem overall with this movie, and uh, I might be jumping ahead a bit, but like when it came to his final takeaway about the things, the message of the movie, and what his final lesson was, was wrong. The overall problem that he has is that he's a he fucking hates women and he's suspicious of them. And like he talks about like the top five things he loves about Laura, and he says, "Oh, the top five bad things that I hate about Laura, like typical girl schizo shit." And that line right there is so telling that like yeah. the problem with women is all women do all this shit, and like he still doesn't individualize Laura for her flaws. He just looks at what he likes about her and then like lumps all bad women behavior into bad women category and it's just so like and especially since you see 
five different women exhibit five different kinds of five shitty behaviors or whatever, even except for the second girlfriend who he was, he dumped her and that whole scene where she, she talks about her sexual assault and he's just all like, I'm so relieved. Oh my God, I'm that just, made me cringe. Uh, I was uh, dying through that uh, scene. That scene was rough for me. <laughs> and I like that actress. She's from uh, Justified. She plays Ava on Justified. So I'm like super, like, I love that actress. And I was like, oh, all right, it's Ava. I'm like, oh, right. Now we're going to tell the story about how she got raped after Rob. I'm like, great. This is going to ruin that for me. Yeah. And I wasn't even on board with the writers putting her sexual assault on Rob's plate because, like, that was a different person who did that yeah. to her. And, like, yeah. I realized I realize that she sees the connection from A to B to C because she got dumped and she felt really low. And then her self-esteem, et cetera. Like, okay, still not Rob's fault. But the way that he reacted to the whole situation and her, like, laying that shit bare to him was not like, yeah. oh my god, I'm so sorry. It's like, whoo, dodged a bullet yeah. there. And I was yeah. like, are you fucking... Yeah, that one, that one oh, threw me a little bit. I was, was like, oh wow. I used to tell people to watch this yeah. movie. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, why, and I, I actually like watching Rob completely miss the point over and over yeah, again like that like learning the entirely wrong lessons from his encounters with his exes like yeah. and t- just his amazing ability to self-sabotage like that's truly impressive but i like that because i know people like that in real life yeah like that will overanalyze things read too much into them shit like that so like it's a realistic character yeah unfortunately sure. <laughs> uh yeah uh, uh, up to and including what we are supposed to have the warm fuzzy feelings for where he's talking about i finally know how to make laura happy and that's Mm -hmm. great but the misogyny is unresolved like the way that he talks about all five of his exes and the resolution among all of them was just like oh wow it's still i'm still i still can't root for him yeah exactly he shows a very a very small amount of growth and like a glint of self-awareness by the end but i mean Let's be honest, by the end of the movie, we're applauding him for being less shitty. Yeah. Marginally. <laughs> yeah, marginally even when they like get shitty. back together and she throws that party for him and he freaks the fuck out for like a week. Like all he does is whine for a week. I would have been like, all right, we're done. Fuck this. I'm done. I'm going back to Tim Robbins. I'm gonna go bang that Tim Robbins dick because he knows what he's doing. And he just has shittier yeah, taste yeah. in music than you. And like, God, could you imagine? Like, I hate listening to I don't know. I was like, oh my God, is that what I sound like? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I, still now, like I try to, instead of being negative about music I don't like, I try to be, I focus on the positives of what I do like when I talk about stuff now, like especially yeah. when it comes to other people's musical tastes, especially since I, I started like getting into pop music again and i'm like oh, okay i can see the benefits of these things i don't because i don't want to be yeah. those three assholes like yeah. even well D- dick isn't that but yeah. barry and barry and rob are very much very i mean barry's a perfect example of like your early like toxic fan like biting people yeah. like in the your very beginning where like he's biting people's head off for like expressing their preferences yeah that's probably something my views have shifted on. Like when I first saw this movie, yeah, I was like, these guys are awesome. You know, they know so much about music. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, this is basically cultural elitism. And I'm, pr- and I'm sure like that was the way that I was meant to take it, but I very much did not the first times that I watched it. So, yeah. And I, on the chat, I said like, this is proto red pill stuff. I stand by that statement because like the only difference is like 
Rob is more of a pickup artist yeah. type instead of an incel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Barry is like they're all um they all get laid, so it's not like full on like So did we actually see Barry get laid? I don't remember him ever hooking up. No, Barry doesn't get laid. He doesn't oh, no, yeah. He gets picked up by a musician, which yeah. But like, so he yeah. has his encounter, but it's like he gets his love is music and he's going to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah he gets to yeah. be in a band. Yeah. Which I'm like, like out of all the fates, I'm like, that's the fate that I would go for right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that there, there are good qualities to this movie. I mean, there is, there are moments. Soundtrack's like, really awesome. I like soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. One of the best soundtrack yeah. of all time. Yeah. What else? <laughs> that soundtrack definitely start like got me listening to some int- yeah. like some of the artists on the soundtrack that I'd never heard of before. Sold the beta band. Yeah. Like he says he's going to sell the beta band. He oh, sold yeah. another copy of it because I bought that fucking record. So. Yeah. And that moment, like when he plays Dry the Rain, you start seeing people like grooving out to it. Like those are the moments that music nerds like dream yeah. of, right? Is getting yeah. people hooked on something like yeah. awesome, but yeah. maybe it's new or maybe it's pretty obscure or something yeah. like that. And I mean, this movie is probably one of the reasons that I started getting more into indie and undergrad, whereas in high school, I was more just like straight up like classic rock and alternative and stuff like that. But yeah, I I like this movie as a love letter to great music. The whole art of making a mixtape thing like, yeah, Rob's a shitty guy, but like that struck a chord with me because I did that. You know, you'd sit there agonizing over what song to put next, you know, to keep, you know, to gradually bring the level down or something like that or yeah yeah Yeah. and i totally identify with rob reorganizing his record collection as like you know because he's depressed then like finding comfort in it because that's some shit that i do like not record collection necessarily but like comic books or like you know i'll just dive into something one of my geekeries that is comforting to me kind of thing so you said there are parts of this movie that i fully identify with yeah whether that's good or not who yeah. knows? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think that the, who he is when he's not in a relationship is really relatable to me, but the way that he engages with his partners is so repulsive on like, yeah. and looking back, I don't know if we're supposed to vilify the women. I think that like, obviously both parties have made some bad choices. I think that maybe I ended up taking the girl's side on pretty much every aspect on all five of his top five like even charlie like she's she's awful but he knew what he was getting into (laughs) like you guys said like perfect for each other because they're both shallow idiots they're just shallow idiots in a different kind of way like she's all about like really shit talking world events and politics and he's all about music and it's not that different it's just you know topic rather than style of being a person (laughs) whatever yeah yeah so yeah that whole like his little speech where it's like you know what you like is what's important not what you are like like i know that that's something that i've been guilty of in the past and i maybe even still am like i know i should put less stress on like judging people based on their interests and their media preferences and shit like that but on the flip side of that like it the reason that i fall back into that sometimes is like having that basic cultural overlap with somebody else like it allows for a shorthand and conversation. Like, you know, you've got a common frame of reference on whatever band or whatever genre or something like that. And so you can make certain references and people yeah. will get it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's another one of those things that this movie sort of shines a light on yeah. for me. I find that interesting based on, you know, I, I date here in Korea and a lot of the Korean guys that I date don't have the same cultural reference points 
when it comes to like stuff that I grew up mm-hmm. with and mu- especially musically. And so the things that I typically have in common with the guys I've dated, like Marvel movies tends to be one because it's such a big thing internationally. Like those cultural things, there's definitely a, a mismatch and definitely a lack of it, even when they do match, there's just a different cultural understanding of the two pieces, the, 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 the that mm-hmm. piece of media. So like that yeah. I could really very much relate to because it's not about the stuff you like. It, it often is the way that you like that stuff that can. Yeah. How you yeah. frame it or whatever. So it like it, Rob was on to something. He just needed to push it a little bit further and he would have been correct. I think like he he's just yeah. he's just so close to breakthroughs and every and you're just like, oh, and then he's like, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of those conversations they have in the record store, like remind me of me and my friends, like in high school or in, in undergrad and stuff like that. Even some of the fucking podcast episodes, like, you know, our, our top fives and stuff like that, obviously, you know, when we do our, when we do our album episodes, like there was a lot of resonance there Mm -hmm. for sure. And again, I don't know if that's good or bad that we're (laughs) sounding like these guys sometimes, but. Who do you identify most with? Who do you, do you think you're a Barry, Rob, or a Dick? Hmm, I'm think. Uh, I just feel like there are certain things about it from each character that. In terms of your music fandom specifically. Oh, music say. fandom. Okay. Not in terms of romantic preferences, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I was thinking just in terms of their personality, and I don't know. I put thought into it. I think I'm definitely more of a Dick. Like, I like the obscure stuff, like, and I'm fucking OCD with, like, organizing things and, like, the moment where he has where he's like, you shouldn't really store them like this for too long because it puts pressure on them. Like, yeah, that's yeah, me that's too. Me. Like, I definitely would. Like, <laughs> I, like that, I relate to that. I'm probably more of a Rob overall yeah. than anything else. But. I think I'm probably more of a Barry just based on energy level that I put into. Like, <laughs> I, I, and, yeah. and I like more mainstream stuff, too, probably. So, like, I can I get into that a lot. And I'm just like, ah, I like this thing because I like it. Ah, kind of thing. So that's very, that's very me in a normal conversation. So, yeah. And let's be honest, Sonic Death Monkey and Barry Jive and the Uptown Five are both They're excellent both band amazing names. Band uh, as is Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Kathleen Turner Overdrive really is actually like the best band name. I <laughs> actually Turner want Overdrive. a band to be named that now. <laughs> like, why is there not a Kathleen yeah. Turner Overdrive? I'm sure somebody's done that. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of high fidelity oh fans God. have done that. But Jack Black's performance, like that, let's get it on. Like that's a legendary yeah. performance. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Tenacious D is touring, and they're not coming up here. That's why I didn't mention it. But they are doing a tour. Like they're starting to like become active again. So they're they're actually playing Atlanta three weeks, two or three oh, nice. weeks before Dragon Con. I think they're playing Atlanta. I was like, I can't go to fucking Atlanta twice. That's a bad idea. So yeah. <laughs> three more things I have to say about High Fidelity. One, it has a really good sense of place. Like Chicago is like a character in the movie. I'm always a fan of when movies do that. It's over long. It could be about 10 minutes shorter yep. for sure. And Lisa Bonet is sexy as fuck yeah, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I really hated though that they were using her being broken up to justify him having sex with Marie, having had sex with her character, and then him being such an asshole about Laura having sex with Tim Robbins, yeah, Ian. Ian, and yeah. I, that that whole thing, I was that was I was enraged through that entire part. I was just like, "You get to fuck around because you're a dude," but she's having sex with someone and like trying to establish a, a new relationship, and you are literally fucking harassing them via phone calls and stalking. Yeah, 
I was actually Fuck. very proud of Tim Robbins' character in that moment because, like, if he was outside calling my house while I was trying to eat, I'd be down there with a fucking pipe beating the shit out yeah. of him in the street. <laughs> I'd be like, no, fucker. Christ. Like, I don't give a shit if she still wants to talk to you. You're calling my fucking phone. I'm yeah. breaking your fucking hands right now. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Good thing he's a crunchy hippie guy and was like into that kind of thing. Because if it was anybody yeah. else, he'd be like a fucking smear on the pavement right now. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I'd be telling her to go deal with this and stop letting it invade my house. Like if you're no if man, you're, if he's right if outside, not, I wouldn't be making her go outside and deal with that. Well, he's not not going a fucking killer in the street. No, not. I'm not saying go <laughs> go on. go good, talk to him, but like resolve this somehow. Or yeah. we're done, kind of thing, because yeah. it's like yeah, this is obviously not finished. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is not a movie that's aged. I mean, comedy is what is com- uh, comedy is the most perishable form of entertainment. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and this is definitely a movie that some certain aspects of it have not aged well. Yeah, no. Unlike, I think, what we're about to talk about next. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer next, which I guess, like, consensus, we all liked this one the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this was Mark's choice. Yeah. Yes, it was. Uh, I don't know. I still have a real soft spot for High Fidelity. It, it is a movie that I, I, will, I will watch again someday. You've been wrong on the podcast before, Tim. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and will be again. <laughs> we're all wrong eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Mark, synopsis? So, so I Married an Axe Murderer, which was my choice, um, is the 1993 American romantic comedy directed by Thomas... I can't... This is. I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's Shlami. Yeah. Starring Mike Myers and Nancy Travis. Mike Myers plays Charlie McKenzie, a man afraid of commitment until he meets Harriet who works at a butcher shop and may be a serial killer. Myers also plays his own character's <laughs> father, Stuart, which is where, like, the Mike Myers doing Scottish accent began. shit yeah. like starts. Yeah, like began in this movie, which is basically why I, I think this is the why this movie always pops back into my head. It's not because of the actual movie. It's just because like his parents. <laughs> yeah, both his parents are <laughs> fucking hilarious. In yeah. cinema history and Anthony Paglia as like the third wheel to them is just like all of the supporting cast yes. is amazing yes. in this movie. Like amazing in this movie. And Mike Myers is just like, I'm having a blast. I'm getting to make a $20 million movie where I get to make out with Nancy Travis, who's like the most stunning woman on the planet at this moment. I think I'm doing all right. Let's have some fun. And they do. It's like, it's just, it's not anything. It's popcorn movie. It is fun. It That's is. all yeah. it is. I agree. Um, yeah. But it's actually oddly aged. I mean, it's obviously a sign, like it's a movie yeah. in its time, but it has aged pretty well. Like it's in some parts, fun. like it does so. get a little slapsticky to the point where it's kind of like, yeah. Well, wow, this is right off Wayne's World. Like this, yeah. that's Mike Myers, though. Like you, you're, yeah. you're not going to get him not doing that kind of stuff, even if it is. It's way toned down in this movie compared to anything else mm. he's ever done, though. Like this is the first thing he did after Wayne's World, and I'm pretty sure he went from this like right into developing Austin Powers. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, this is about as low key as uh, Mike Myers ever got. I think. The, and the dad's Stewart's uh, gay jokes and slurs and stuff. I was like, oh, that should not have been in there. <laughs> and like, even that. <laughs> Honestly, even that didn't phase me that much because it's an old dude. Like, that's just, like, I still hear shit like that. Yeah, but so I'm like, I know you're not supposed (laughs) to, but like, I was like, you know what? This hasn't, it hasn't aged as poorly as like when we were watching like the the Kevin Smith movies and all that stuff was going on. I was like, yeah, shit. That was a little rough, like going through clerks again because like it was constant. Like, this one, I was like, I, I noticed it the same way. Like, I braced the same way, but I was like, it didn't linger on me as much just because I was like, yeah, it's the old man. Like I know it's Mike Myers yeah. saying it, but there was the point at which Charlie talks about it's pretty brief about like being like friend zoned basically, where 
uh she's you know he thinks that she's like yeah, seeing yeah. her at him as like a female friend or whatever and i was like that's a little cringy yeah <laughs> but that was about yeah. the only two things that i was like yeah those didn't age well for the most part it really has yeah it is an inverted romantic comedy because it does focus on the dude and uh but it still has all of pretty much all of the same formula just with murder added to it like there is like the yeah. that basic misunderstanding <laughs> yeah, that tanks the relationship for a certain point and then they resolve it and then there's like a last minute twist which i mean you sure <laughs> i saw it coming yeah yeah <laughs> oh no i mean the years yeah i don't think you're supposed to not see it coming like i think they put her right there to show you that she's weird and like you're supposed yeah. to think about in that. that character oh. that actress always plays that that's amanda yeah, plummer right she plays, always plays like somebody yeah. weird and sort of offbeat and sometimes crazy and yeah 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 so yeah, so like I, I you kind of know as soon as like you, like this movie has like you're not it's not trying to test yeah. you it's just like disposable. I will say this was the first time that I watched this movie. Really? I'd somehow has yeah, it's, and we've had this discussion before because I remember remember the episode where Christy did the whole fucking poem. Yeah, oh, she yes. just went through yeah, and wrote, yeah, yeah, yeah. like read out the whole thing. I was like, I've never seen that movie. Holy shit! Uh, it just it was just one of those ones that, and it should like I should have like it's right up my alley. Phil Hartman, yeah, like Phil Hartman, Phil Hartman, what, like, born and born and raised shit. in Brantford, where I grew up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Phil Hartman, like the best part of this movie, like his little bit <laughs> while they're on Alcatraz as Vicky. Yeah. Oh my god, that was really good. Oh my god, national treasure that yeah, man yeah. was. Oh, so fucking funny. And then like. uh Anthony LaPaglia and Alan Arkin's little back yeah. and forth. It's like the police or it's the, the cop and the police captain. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, when he starts freaking out on him at the end, and it's all like, Paisan. Yeah. Like, How was that? Was it too much? So, Paisan. Yeah. Paisan. It's actually Paisan, but I got to go. I'm busy. Like, it's so good. Or like, he fucking throws him up against the wall. And he, like, he's so happy yeah. about it. Like, he's like, How was that? It's like, it was really good, really good. I got to go, yeah. though. But, like, yeah. Oh, so good. I love that. I, I did bit. too. I love yeah, it. absolutely. Even the. Michael Richards a little bit where he's like the insensitive yeah. guy. I mean the fucking like this, that shit maybe the cast is like a who's who of nineties comedy. Like Yeah. It really is. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm just amazed you missed it. Like that, yeah, that's yeah. I think the, my biggest takeaway from this episode, aside from like how much we both hated the first movie, yeah. was is that like Tim never saw Max <laughs> How is that even possible? No, I mean the, the the humor is like right up my alley. Like it's it's self aware. It's not not you know, never really takes itself too seriously or anything like that. It's got a little bit of like that meta aspect to it and that kind of thing. And oh man, the thigh master. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> every fucking time I laughed at that joke. I don't know why. It's so stupid, but I laughed every it fucking is time. So dumb. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much to dislike about this movie. I mean, it does suffer from like 90s pacing. Like the, the beats of the jokes feel very like a little too slow and a little bit on the nose. Like they really like telegraph their jokes in a very yeah. 90s way, which like like now everything is kind of more of a Mel Brooks style, throw as many jokes against the wall as, and see what hits kind of thing. It's now known as the Deadpool two style. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I mean, let's be honest. Mel Brooks fucking did it first and he yeah. did better. Yeah. Like I like Deadpool, but like blazing saddles, no, oh. we got to do, we have to like figure out a way to review that somehow. Cause like, can we just, I want to talk about, can we just movie? do a blazing yeah. saddles just, episode? Like, about- <laughs> Cause it's so fucking good. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I feel like we should just do like I'll put it on the list. Yeah, maybe we should just like yeah, let's do like Mel Brooks or Blazing Brooks Saddles or something because like oh, yeah, Saddles. <laughs> you could never make that movie ever again. No. Five minutes after that movie came out, you could never have made that movie ever again. <laughs> like genius oh, yeah. movie, but unbelievable. Either way, yeah. So Star Mater, yeah. Max Murder, like nothing heavy, yeah, just fun and yeah, romantic comedy, but like 
you like everybody. Yeah. You know, like I don't hate Mike Myers. Nancy Travis is like, you know what's the funny part? <laughs> I was like, which woman do I like the best out of all of them? I'm like, Harriet's my favorite so far. So this movie yeah. wins. Yeah. Although I did have like her girlfriend set it up as super cute. I wouldn't say that much, but like Harriet was like right up my alley. So 90s. Yeah. I don't know. I liked if, if I had to pick one out of uh, all the movies that we did, it would Caroline Fortis, the music columnist from High Fidelity. Oh, God. At yes. the end, the one that comes oh, along with his last temptation. Yeah. Yeah. When I was watching that, I'm like, don't do it. Like, I, I was just begging him not to do anything stupid, but I was like, just give me her fucking phone number. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, that girl in, like, in that era, yeah. I would have just, like, followed around like a puppy dog. <laughs> like, she was, like, the perfect girl. And we were talking about, I don't know when Paul and I were talking about Natalie and Bruglia, yeah. but it was just, like, exactly that trope. She was that trope writ large in this movie. It was, was for like, the oh, cover songs episode. Oh, right. It was. It was for the show. Oh, yeah. I was like, which podcast is that? Yeah. <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> Inversely, if I had to pick a guy to date out of all of these movies, I'm still having trouble deciding. I mean, how would it not oh, be Charlie? Would, yes. Overall, it would have been. I don't like his like nitpicky, find a flaw in everything kind of thing. Like I, I as someone, would yeah. just and just be the two of you doing that together as uh, a couple. That's basically what it would be. So, like, as a very messy, flawed individual, however, I feel like it's a, it's just like <laughs> he would come in and be like, nah, and just walk away because <laughs> no one in high fidelity I wanted to date. Except for who who played the black dude who was was in the who calls them on their shit on, their on shit. being on being assholes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd I'd start yeah. up a conversation with him at a bar for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's a good looking dude yeah. too. Actually, I was like, oh, that that guy, that guy's better looking than John Cusack. We should yeah. get him out of here like real Seriously. fast. <laughs> and then in in set it up, no one. Like nobody is appearing <laughs> in that movie. Like even the female lead, I'm like, I don't like her that much, but she's so so yeah. pretty. <laughs> among the women i as someone like if i wanted to befriend someone i feel like i would have a nice like brunch with laura and joan cusack i don't remember her character's name liz liz liz, liz, liz yeah. and laura we could have a bitchy brunch together and it would be a good one <laughs> yeah. i just want to meet i don't i never i don't care about john cusack i just want to meet joan cusack yeah because every time she's in a movie i'm like oh man she's so fucking she funny. Is like, so she's funny so great in everything yeah I like love her in she's in, Adam's, she's Adam's Family Values. Yeah, I was just that's thinking part of that fucking movie. Values. Because of yeah. the Black God, Widow storyline so in, in So I Married an Axe Murder, which was a weird there preoccupation we that the early 90s had with like women murdering their husbands. And uh, there was something that just popped up. Probably about, a bit misogynist. Yeah. Um, there, <laughs> now that you think of it. There was just something on the AV Club today about a Lorena Bobbitt documentary. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, the early 90s yeah. and like the killer wife trope was like mm-hmm. a thing that really happened oh, then. Man. Oh boy! But, but think about like the the '90s. The '90s were peak white man power time, right? So like, what's the only thing that was causing white men grief in the '90s? The women that they were like trying to be involved yeah. with. Guess what? That's why they became the enemy in every fucking movie <laughs> at that point. Seriously. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So overall, I have more things to say. Oh yeah, but, but... so we married an expert. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. I, I've only I've barely gone through my uh, my notes. Uh, I think it's paced really well. I think that they do keep you guessing pretty well like they play up that suspense really well about whether she's the murderer or not like her reaction she's clearly hiding something that kind of thing yeah i love the aesthetic of this fucking movie like that kitschy feel just plays perfectly for me it's another movie where it had a really great sense of place like san francisco absolutely like was a character in the movie yeah charlie's mother was the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, where yeah. have I seen her before? Man, the parents, like him, oh my God, him and the wife are like, 
so goddamn funny. Yeah. yeah. Like that whole base city roller thing at the beginning. Oh yeah. man. When oh, she starts shit. making out with Anthony LaPaglia. <laughs> oh my god. That's a great moment. <laughs> He's like trying to get away. He into a wee sexy bastard. I was like, yeah. holy shit, that's amazing. I was dying. Yeah, I couldn't believe oh, it. Oh god, yeah. yeah. I I loved I loved the Scottish gags overall. Like, oh, yeah. like I'm part Scottish. That's probably the part of my heritage that I like most identify with. And all those gags and like little Scottish notes were really fun and just Nice to see some representation. <laughs> you don't see enough yeah, white, don't, men don't movies, see enough right? white, white guys in movies. And that yeah. the the pub that they're in for their anniversary party, the uh, Cock of the North. Yeah, my Scottish blood is from the Gordon clan. My grandmother's a Gordon, and the Cock of the North is the name of the chieftain of the Gordon clan. Oh, oh, oh. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, that's nice. Huh. Yeah, awesome. When was beat poet ever a viable career? Ah! I, okay. <laughs> when I was watching it, I, that was the one thing that I kept going back to, being what like, what the fuck does he do for a living? <laughs> Everybody else has a job. They even give the dad a job. The dad was a butcher. Yeah. So, like, we know what he did. Yeah. And we know Anthony Pagley is a cop, and Harriet's also a butcher. What the fuck does Charlie do? Is he just a beat poet? That How is apparently... <laughs> Like was was his? I was like, he's independently wealthy. Somehow, I mean, right? like that would, poem is is an instant classic. Yeah. But. Oh my god. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. was or maybe Charlie's father was so successful as a butcher that like he had pension and then some to uh, for Charlie. Maybe he sold his store to a big chain or something like that and made out like a bandit Maybe. or something. I, yeah. Like, just, yeah, I was I was asking the same thing. I'm like, what the fuck does he do? Because like, everybody else has got a job and he's just always available to do whatever he wants. And I'm like, yeah, like even to the yeah. point where That's he's going, to, he goes in and helps in uh, Harriet's butcher shop. Just like yeah. I want I'm trying. This is our uh, meet cute cutesy montage Dude. moment. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. it. So I th- this is what I'm doing today. Like. Fuck, yeah. nice. I was like, it was so weird. Yeah, it was very strange. I was like, what? How? Who has time to go into a butcher shop and then just like? I mean, I mean, to be fair, for Nancy Travis, I'd probably make the fucking time. Yeah. So like, you know what? I'm kind of, you know what? I'm not even gonna argue with it anymore because I'm like, yeah, you know what? I probably do the same guy. She's so pretty. What a great, yeah. what a great boyfriend to have on demand who can just come in and help you with your your job. Yeah, what? that's and awesome. Like, who is like a butcher also? Like who has been like kind of trained by his dad to like help you out basically. Yeah. Like it's like the, the perfect match made in heaven for each other. Yeah, like, yeah. so good. It was yeah. Another solid soundtrack. Mm. Yeah, although yeah, the they they really go fun. back to that like there she goes a little too often. I was like, really, we're we're playing that again? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was actually really impressed with a couple of those long tracking shots. Were actually yeah. like really like technically impressive. Like the one at the start of the coffee shop. So I, I was looking it up, and the the guy who directed this is at, is known for working with um walk and talk guy. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Name? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. Right, yeah. So who invented the um well not invented, but like kind of perfected in that time era, like in that time frame also, like yeah, the tracking walk and talk shot like yeah, the they long did shot. In the West Wing. Yeah. Yeah, like the West Wing. Like that's basically how they opened every episode of the West Wing or whatever. Yeah. So oh, there's a show we could I don't know how you would talk about uh, it. No, I've, I've never watched, watched West times. Wing. I need to. No, you don't. You should, well, not no, right you now. Because it'll just make it'll make yeah. you sad because it's like once, oh my once God, I move back to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, even I was watching Veep a couple weeks ago, like the new season of Veep, and I was like, "This isn't even funny anymore." Like, I'm not having, I'm not having any fun with the politics of this anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, this, this seems too serious compared to the real world. I don't like it. Uh, anyway, yeah. that is everything I had to say. Awesome. So, so 
I'm so happy that mine was the favorite. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's pointless. But like after the, the reaction Tim and I had to set it up, and then like Paul and I had to high fidelity, I was like, wait, did I win by default? <laughs> I won by default. <laughs> default, 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 default. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I knew that set it up was not gonna it was gonna be controversial. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it going in. I honestly thought that High Fidelity was going to hold up. I could like just... So did I, actually. It was surprising to me how immediately visceral my my dislike for it was. And I was expecting... Because I watched So I Married an Axe Murderer first. And I was all like, oh, I was, that was pleasantly surprising that I liked it so much again. And it was because mostly because of the side characters. But like, because the A-plot yeah. is, is kind of... It's kind of dicey sometimes, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah. And I... And again, the chemistry of the leads makes a big difference when you, you're talking mm-hmm. about a romantic comedy. And I think that Mike Myers and Nancy Travis are adorable together. Like, so <laughs> I was God, like, yeah. I was rooting yeah. for them. Yeah. Even though, like, she's, it's one of those. Mike Myers is super charming, but he's not hot. And no. <laughs> he yeah. hot. he's way out of his league. Yeah. yeah he's punching way above his weight there. Yeah. As a dude who punches above his weight class fairly often, like yeah. I, I respect the game he ran. Like he was <laughs> super fucking on the ball charming. Like And considering her tragic track record, it's yeah. understandable that she would be like looking for someone a little punching bit punching below her weight. Well, yeah. you know, like she just saw us uh, met a sweet guy who bought a haggis and came back and was like interested and that was cute it was like it was felt pretty besides hung out for two hours and worked for her for free so like yeah yeah you want to like well i can like hook up with this guy and he'll take me out for dinner and i don't want to need extra help i can just call him in and not pay him <laughs> yeah because he's living off the, all that sweet beat poet money yeah, yeah he's got all this beat poet money he's got all the time <laughs> in the world to do whatever he wants yeah Holy shit i gotta look into being a beat poet i could write yeah. poetry let's do this yeah thing, apparently, apparently, like if you can fucking like live in san francisco where it just costs oh, cost out the ass to live even in 93 it cost a ton to live in san francisco yeah. so it's not like it's a new thing for that city to be massively expensive yeah but yeah i don't ask before the tech boom so it might not be as bad as it is now but yeah, yeah. okay guys romantic comedies yay or nay like they don't have to be bad right <laughs> i think if you put an asterisk on it like you can make a romantic comedy I think the problem is when you do like the direct to formula, this is a romantic comedy, Meg Ryan's in this, like, let's go to town, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's done. Like, I can't do that kind of stuff anymore. But if you tweak it a little bit and you do like, you throw in a murder mystery, like, sorry, I married an axe murderer, or you throw in, ideally, throw in like a bunch of references to records that I really like, like in High Fidelity, and then like, I can kind of deal with the rest of the story. I mean, that story's not really as romantic comedy as like whatever it's probably not like a direct romantic comedy really i mean yeah. it is but it kind of isn't I, I think that it, high fidelity is like a pure inversion of the romantic comedy where it's a breakup comedy like it yeah. is very, it is about romance but it is like it's instead of the starting off at the mute cute it's the end poorly and then reunite it's like it, yeah. it followed the same arc but it had a, like a different t- completely different tone to it it's almost like a really long late second act and third act of another romantic comedy mm, like you yeah. just, you're not getting the first half of the movie you're just getting the second half where like he's an asshole and like he needs to solve the problem like that's all yeah you're getting. yeah because yeah. so. they show they show the meet cute in the like in flashback in the flashback yeah at the when he's djing yeah uh you see some of the happy times but then it's like they're having a happy time and then he makes a joke about having kids and then she cries about her abortion and then it's like oh really like, he didn't messy. know about yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things that that's, I find it relatable because it does portray relationships pretty realistically. Yeah. That was, that was fair. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad we got to talk about this, this genre because like, I know it's never, we're never going to touch it again. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you for indulging me on my first hosting sojourn guys. It was fun. Just yeah. don't make me watch any anime and we'll be fine. Uh, no promises. <laughs> <laughs> I might make you do a Miyazaki thing. Is that okay? I'd be okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Miyazaki. Awesome. Yeah. So any, does anyone have any th- last thoughts or shall we move on to Geek Crest? I think I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, Geek Cred. Let's start with Tim this time. Tim, what's your Geek Cred? Fuck. This, I'm having trouble coming up with one this week, and I don't know why. Let's say the High Fidelity soundtrack. Probably one of, if not the best parts of the movie, even if you don't ever watch the movie, which I wouldn't blame people after hearing the lambasting we just gave it. It is a fucking phenomenal soundtrack, and it's probably got some songs that you have never heard before from artists you've never heard about and has some real gems on there. Well, you just ruined mine because I was going to recommend the Beta Bands 3 EPs. So <laughs> now I don't know what to do. I was, that was a joke. Anyway, thanks for laughing, guys. Uh, I, go, go try Crackdown 3. If you have Game Pass or an Xbox and you just can, like, you can get it for free, basically, go try it out. It is, I'm thinking it might be fun. So I don't know. I'll spend more time with it. I'll let you guys know next week. Yeah, gotta get through this Zelda playthrough, man. Gotta get through yeah. this Zelda playthrough. Yeah. For my Greek cred, owing off the romantic comedy thing, I think that if you like teen comedies and you like romantic comedies, check out To All the Boys I've Loved Before. It was the Netflix original based on a YA romance. And it's pretty good. It's about like mixed race family, a girl who is like you has good representation because the main character is a Korean American teenage girl and just a cool perspective to have. And overall, it was a very charming movie. So go check that out. That one sort of has popped up in my like sphere and I have heard good things about it. Yeah, I also thought about picking that one, too, in terms of the Netflix renaissance. But it, it also fucks with the formula a little too much and set it up with so that formula that formula. I get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, I guess, wraps up our episode 134 thanks again for listening if you haven't already please subscribe which you can do via whichever podcast app you prefer on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher and now spotify also we'd love to hear what you think about romantic comedies or any of the news that we've talked about or any of our geek cred so drop us a line at one of facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast on twitter at drd underscore podcast or email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. So that's it. Say goodnight, Tim. Goodnight, everybody. Say goodnight, Mark. Take it easy, guys. And I'm Paul, and thanks for listening. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? (laughs) Honestly, that's probably the one question from that movie that I was like, you know what? I should probably... (laughs) Uh, Fair. (laughs)